welcome into Dragon Ball Super Dope. My name is Kyle. Thank you for checking this out. We have got a very special episode for you today. If you are a longtime listener to Super Dope, you'll know that there are certain content creators on YouTube that um, I definitely love and respect a lot. And the person that I'm talking with today is somebody that has inspired multiple talking points on our show, uh, multiple tirades, rants, uh, etc. Uh, we are talking with Mystere Fusion, uh, the creator of Dragon, the oft-referenced Dragon Ball Dissection on YouTube. How are you doing, Lance? I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on. Um, I have been asking for a bit, um, but schedules never really quite lined up. But, you know, I, I think we both find ourselves with a little bit of extra time on our hands due to this uh, shelter-in-place order uh, where we both live respectively. So, uh, ah, I, I, bet, I bet you staged this whole quarantine just to free up my schedule, didn't you? That was basically my plan. I mean, I've seen a lot of crazy conspiracy theories over the last couple of weeks, and uh, I've yet to see anybody really perpetrate this one. Um I staged COVID-19 to be able to get Mr. Fusion on Super Dope. Yeah, he said it. He said it. Yeah, there you go. It's uh, it's confirmed. Um, so I've talked about Dragon Ball Dissection multiple times on the show. Um, what I really enjoy about your content and the way that I kind of tell my other Dragon Ball friends about your your content is he is the content creator for the Dragon Ball nerd. Uh, somebody who is deeply invested in the show like I am. Uh, I go to your channel to learn more about the content than I know already. And I've been a fan of the show for, I think, coming up on like 25 years. Um, so that's honestly one of the highest compliments I feel like I could pay anybody. But um, regardless of, of how I feel about you, I'd still like for my audience to get to know you a little bit. Um, and I like to sort of do some general getting to know you questions, um, and just kind of get to know you as a Dragon Ball fan a little bit and see like what your roots are within the fandom. So that said, how did you first find Dragon Ball and what age were you? I was 12 years old. It was the fall of 1998 and I caught it on the, uh, on the reruns, on the rerun tsunami boom that a lot of lot of kids in my generation got into it from, that would have been uh, twenty two years ago this September. Uh, the, the first two, those first two seasons of Dragon Ball Z that, that Funimation had aired, uh, the previous two years on syndication that have now now being rerun the following year on cable, and uh, but then I also my my upstairs neighbor who was my best friend at the time. He um he he had seen this show or something like it a few years earlier. Like he, he recognized the characters only they were younger because he had seen those first thirteen dubbed Dragon Ball episodes that had aired in ninety five. Like on UPN and all those weird local affiliate stations. Yeah. Yep, yep. It was definitely syndicated as well. And so so he was, you know, filling me in on stuff that he'd seen before and you know, I I I've, even even by then it only been three years for him, I guess, but uh and the memories were a little bit faded, so he was like, oh yeah, I remember that Piccolo guy, he was there too, He was, and he was thinking of Pilaf. Oh <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> Blue guy, green guy, same thing. <laughs> but, but, but as far as he was concerned, like those, those 13 episodes were the entire series, so I'd be asking like, oh, well, 
was this character there? He's like, no, I never saw that character before. And how about this guy? Nope, he, well, he wasn't there. So, you know, there, there, there was definitely a large gap. And that was part of the fun of being into Dragon Ball back then was everything was just a sort of minefield, this confusing jumble mishmash of information. Like the, you find the internet and there are all these fan sites of people who were, you know, in, into the series before Funimation got their hands on it. And so they had information from like fan subs they'd watched. And so you, so cause like, yeah, I, I certainly came into, I found Funimation's website and like it listed all 53 episodes. And I, I thought that was the whole series. Yeah. You know, and then suddenly I'm finding these websites that are show like this, this character called Go Tanks. Like, who who the heck is that? You know, and you know, finding out finding out there was all this this story, you know, in between what my friend had said and what was it what I was seeing on TV. Now it was it was just it was fun for the first couple of years to try to put all that stuff together. Yeah, the mystery before the internet came along and made everything super accessible and ruined everything. <laughs> well, it was the same internet that was. Uh, you know, haphazardly putting the pieces together back then, so I, I wouldn't have known about it at all if it wasn't for, for the internet. <laughs> PlanetNamic.com. Uh, I mm-hmm. know that you yep. are involved with Kenzenshu as well. Um, I know that you've been on their podcast. Are you, like, involved with all of their podcasts, or how does that work? No, um, <clears throat> this is, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, it's one of those things where, um, you just sort of become you just sort of become friends with people over time. I I'd been a, a big fan of theirs since I was fourteen years old, uh, and so I've been a you know, I'd followed their sites and eventually I joined the forums and uh, we sort of became kind of chummy. And on occasion, you know, I was God, I was just so starstruck when when Mike Labrie asked me onto the podcast for the first time, and I was too embarrassed to admit because this was I was in my early twenties and living in Nashville and very poor. And I didn't have my own home internet. Oh. Um, <laughs> I would like, I would have to, uh, you know, like go to the local Wendy's or something and latch onto their Wi-Fi to uh, upload videos. Cause I was, I, I was really early on in my channel then. And, and so I, I was too embarrassed to admit that. So I was just trying to find some late night haunt to go to where the Wi-Fi might be strong enough. And I had enough privacy to, uh, to record this podcast, so I like tried going out to uh, like a nearby park that had Wi-Fi, and it didn't work. It didn't work at all. I just I totally stood him up, and I was so mortified. <laughs> oh my god, man! Talk and about I, I, some like that's taking your lumps of one hundred and one. Like that's crazy stuff. <laughs> the well, commitment. It was, it, was, it was the same. It was, it actually, it was the same thing the second time too, because um, after. Uh, my my first jaunt to Nashville, I ended up moving back in with my mom for a few months, and that was when he asked me again, and she didn't have internet either. <laughs> I was able, I was, I was able to like leech off of the neighbor's Wi-Fi, but it, uh, and I, so I was able to like get, you know, I was able to record with them once, but uh, it was it was pretty touch and go, and so <laughs> I was I was amazed that he kept inviting me back. Um, but yeah, I, I did that. I, he asked me to. They asked me to write an art. They, they did a wonderful, wonderful magazine for the 30th anniversary of Dragon Ball, and they asked several people they'd worked with before to do articles for them. And I was I was fairly known at the time, at least on the forums, for uh, writing about Bardock. <laughs> this, this is like this is like not long after Dragon Ball Minus had come out. I was gonna say so. And... <laughs> 30 years puts us at about 2014, just after Dragon exactly. Ball Minus, and I know how you feel about Dragon Ball Minus. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I so I so I wrote that article about that, and I a couple years later I got to sort of uh, dig dig into my earlier writings to make my Dragon Ball dissection videos on that. Uh, but but certainly Konzinchu, I you know I I can't 
since you bring up Konzenshu, I, I, I would be a criminal of me to let it pass, and I try to credit them as much as I can. Like, Dragon Ball Dissection would not be possible without the giant wealth of information that exists there that they've been compiling for over 20 years at this point, you know? So, uh, especially because, you know, Dragon Ball is a foreign language series, and I'm, I have some Japanese background. I took some Japanese in college, but I'm not fluent Mm. Uh, so just being able to find accurate information, you know, and, and avoid the wastelands of the internet that I found is in in my youth, you know, I I, I can I can trust them. I can trust them more than uh, almost any other source, really. So anytime I have a question, anytime I'm not sure about a translation or I'm not sure if I have something right, I'll take it to those forums or I'll ask them. And it's just the, that that is the place to go for Dragon Ball information, bar none. And I think it speaks to the commitment of our fandom in general, like you said, 20 plus years, but like just the thorough research that all those people do for those threads. I mean, like you said, it's a, it's an archive. It's a wealth of information. It's been put together for the last two decades. And I think it sort of speaks to the idea that Dragon Ball strongly resonates with its audience. And for whatever reason, I mean, it can change from person to person. Uh, getting back to the getting to know you questions, what would you feel as the thing that resonated most strongly with you in regard to Dragon Ball when you first found it? Uh, I, I really liked serialized entertainment. Um, as, as a kid, I'd really been into the, uh, the old Batman serials from the forties, which was the first time I'd really seen like a, a really big continuing storyline like that. Most, most children's entertainment is, is fairly episodic, and a lot of television up until, up until the last few decades in general has been pretty episodic. They always like to be able to package things for syndication, so you can just, you know, hop on to anything and, you know, see any episode and be able to just jump right in, you know. You you know, early, early series of Star Trek were very much like that, where it was, you know, the Enterprise goes to a planet this week, and then they wrap up the storyline, and they move on. There's nothing wrong with that form of storytelling, but for for me at 12 years old it was um uh it it was it was very sort of unique to see a show that i I'd, I'd come into and it's like i was in the, i i i certainly didn't catch it on the first day that it aired i came in you know maybe about a dozen episodes in or so and and so it's like i saw this this guy with a halo running down this this road above clouds and i saw this this little kid who kind of looked like him wore similar clothes out in the wilderness and i'd come back every every afternoon and, and the story just kept on going, you know, um, I certainly, you know, loved once, once, uh, once the fighting began, I really enjoyed that and seeing these heroic characters make noble sacrifices. And I really, really, you know, latched onto that as well. But, but just the fact that I, I kept on coming back and, and the story kept moving, you know, and I, I, I was gone for a little while and I came back and I'd missed a whole bunch of episodes and suddenly you know, they were in space and, and the kid character was dressed differently and had a different hairstyle, you know? And it was just like, I, I saw this as a, as a series where, you know, where time actually passed, which you didn't see in, in cartoons a lot. So that that's what's always stuck with me. And I know when we get to the Dragon Ball Super questions, because spoilers, I've read these questions in advance. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be coming back to that, uh, that, uh, that, that thesis right there. I can't wait to get to those Dragon Ball Super questions now. <laughs> um, yeah, the serialized nature of it, I think, is something that, I mean, it, it just naturally compels you to want to come back and see what that next piece of that story is. And even in the case where you might miss, you know, a chunk of it, so much has progressed in terms of the story. It's like, what what the hell is going on here? What did I miss? It 
you know, want, it makes you want to go back and, and check it out and kind of fill yourself in. And I don't know. I think, uh, I think Dragon Ball is a series that rewards you for doing so in some cases. I mean, I think the mystery sometimes can be a little bit greater than actually learning about the way in which certain things come to be in the story. <laughs> like you oh, mentioned yeah. Gotenks before, and it's like, when I saw Gotenks on the back of a Super Battle Collection box when I was like 10 years old, I was like, I don't know who this little kid is. I don't know where he comes from. I don't know what he's about, but I can only imagine the crazy circumstances in which this character is going to come in. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to downplay the fusion dance. I'm using Gotenks as the, as the example because you referenced him earlier, but um, sometimes when you get to the payoff of what those characters end up being, Broly's a good example. He's another one on the Super Battle uh, Collection box that I was like, who's this big, ripply, mean-looking dude? And then I got to the movie, I'm like, oh. All right. <laughs> and we'll talk about Broly in a, a little bit uh, deeper. Well, it's also like I was saying in the, um, you know, when he asked me the first question, like especially going back to that serialized nature, when I when I when I got online and found that there were all these all these stories that came before, like that that's that's I that that just blew my mind. The the go yeah you know, the Goku was a kid at some point and he met the, all these people and there were all all these you know, these tournaments and everything like just that just expanded the the world so much to, you know to, to even to even have a character you know it, it's it's funny how controversial it was at the time but it's like you know the fact that the the main character that I I'd known you know, had a past, you yeah. know, that he was, he, that he was able to, to start, start at one age and then, you know, and then grow. Like that was, that was just, that was amazing to me. I wanted to learn that I, I was, I was most excited about the stuff that came before, even more so than I was about the stuff that came later on. I wanted to go back and find out what that other stuff was. So that's, yeah, that, hmm. you know, in, ter in, in terms of the expansiveness of, of a timeline and the, of this story, definitely finding out that there were all these, all these stories before that is really what cemented like, Oh my God, this, this, this is amazing. You know, that's a really interesting point. Um, now that we've said it like that, I mean, localization powers that be Funimation, ocean studios, whomever the decision to base. I mean, they did the first 13 episodes and said, Hey, this isn't really hitting where we expected. We know that dragon ball Z is a huge hit in Japan. Let's just fast forward to dragon ball Z that decision in retrospect may have served the series catching on with people like you and I who wanted to dive deeper into like the lore and where these stories originated from by fast forwarding, you know, 150 episodes or so. That's interesting way to think about it. I think uh, how much of the appeal of Dragon Ball comes from just wanting to understand where everything comes from in a series that it probably what over 600 episodes at this point, if you count all four series, not, Counting Kai? Yeah, probably. I think somewhere in that area. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but he's, uh, yeah, but Funimation has definitely got a lot of mileage out of, out of, uh, labeling things as lost, lost episodes. So, <laughs> <laughs> as, 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 mar as marketing tactics. So, yeah. Uh, that's yeah, it's, it's certainly, it's, it's a supply and demand type of, uh, type of scenario where it's, you create demand for something by restricting the supply. Yeah. And back in the day when we were watching those localizations, you do a great job in Dragon Ball Dissection of breaking down like what local what Funimation had to do in terms of like the um the censorship and, and having to take a few episodes and kind of like combine them together and, and what official episode counts kind of actually are. Um it's something that I definitely wasn't hip to or even really thought about at all or was on my radar when I was a kid, but hearing it now as an adult who, you know, has watched Dragon Ball Super go through the uh, 
uh, animation um, struggles, I guess, the production struggles that they've had um, while they were airing live. It's interesting for me to get some um, perspective on some of the same sort of struggles Dragon Ball Z had, you know, 20, 30 years previous. Um, that said, uh, what do you think or what would you say is your favorite series among all of the Dragon Ball series? Um, well, if, if we're talking about the manga, that's really easy. It's, it's Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball is my favorite series of that, Dragon Ball. <laughs> that's, a, that's a cheat, though, because that encapsulates Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. We're talking about the anime series specifically. No, you didn't. No, you didn't say that, though. <laughs> anime series specifically. I've amended the question. <laughs> All right. Uh, Dragon Ball. <laughs> All right, cool. I agree with you. <laughs> Any reason in particular that makes you uh, so firm in that, in that choice? Um... And, and well, to, to be fair, I guess as soon as soon as I immediately, as soon as I said that, I immediately felt a little twinge of guilt for, you know, for for leaving Dragon Ball Z, quote unquote, out out of it because there's so much that I love. Yeah, it's, it's certainly so much I'm nostalgic for, because that was that was my first. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I I just really, really sort of connected with the more mystical vibe of of that era of of dragon ball storytelling the uh i really really cared for the characters then i, I just felt like uh uh as, as as i said in some of my some of my frieza arc episodes i feel like eventually the the scale and the scope gets a little too a little too big to really um internalize as a viewer and so I, I really just more emotionally connected to a lot of the stuff that happened earlier on when things were a bit more, uh, a bit smaller and a bit easier to, to digest when, when, you know, when, when blowing up a city was, you know, the, the peak of, you know, you, 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 you can, you can understand that kind of thing. You can, you can understand the more intimate, intimate scale conflicts happening, I think. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, at a certain point, it just gets too big for you to really be able to uh, empathize with or, or rationalize a, uh, on um, a human level. Um, talk about universal galactic scale kind of stuff, destruction, and it's like, eh, me as a human, I can't fathom that. I can't imagine what it would yeah, be like, like if, my, if my street blew up. Yeah, it's like you definitely get to the point, I feel like, in, in the Boo arc especially, where it's like you kill off about half the cast at once, and it's it's treated as sort of like, a, oh yeah, they're you know, whatever. You know, whereas like these these things used to at least be treated as you know as a big as a big deal. Even if you had Dragon Balls to revive them, there was always a sort of, you know, they were they were heavy dramatic moments that mattered. But like you you do it enough times, and it and then like the the scale becomes we kill literally every person on the planet. Then it's like suddenly those fifteen people they they just didn't really carry that much weight anymore, and it was it was kind of kind of disappointing. Yeah, it definitely uh, reduces the sting when you've seen Krillin bite it for the fourth or fifth time. <laughs> um, in terms of, and I think I know the answer to this one, but to be fair, I do feel like you have a very confusing rating system for your arcs on Dragon Ball Dissection. So you've just started the Majin Buu arc, um, and you've done the first two episodes of it. It's mainly focused on the Great Saiyan and Gohan, and we'll talk a little bit more about that because I do have a specific question that, I think it was oft talked about in the Dragon Ball world about Gohan, you know, kind of becoming that main character for all of two and a half minutes. But um, before we get to that part of it, um, because we've because you've done so many of the arcs to this point, I've saw your rating system as of today, and it goes from ten to one, 
and I think 10 is the red ribbon arc, but I think 10 means that's your top favorite arc. Am I right in saying that? Uh, yes, because, uh, and, and it, to be fair, it's partly my fault because I sort of miss gave it as a misnomer early on. I really quickly course corrected these. It's, it's not, it's not a ranking. It's, it's not a rating. They're, they're scores. Okay. You know, it's a, it's, it's a scoring system from, from one to 10 because there are 10 total Dragon Ball story arcs and they're not like a, you know, an objective quality of good and bad. They're, they're, they're all scored on a curve basically since there are 10, 10 scores and 10 arcs each, each arc gets its own, you know, gets, gets, you know, a score by itself, basically. It gets gets one of those ten numbers, and once each score has been taken, it can't be taken by any, any of the other any of the other arcs, basically. Yeah, and that's so, the yeah. part that confuses me is once the number is assigned. Like, I mean, you could assign ten to the red ribbon arc, but you could maybe you think another one's a ten. Maybe you think it's equally as good. Um, but ten's already picked, so you got to go to nine. I I don't know. The rating well, I, system I definitely... confused me. <laughs> Oh, I, I definitely wrote out all of my scores before I even did the first episode of Dragon Ball Dissection. Oh, wow. Eight years ago. Yeah, it was because if uh, if you go back to, well, both the end of the Piccolo arc and the end of the Cell arc, you'll see that that's like the one time that I, where I said that I had changed my mind about something, you know, that I had I'd initially scored those arcs in reverse. And then I ended up flipping when I got to the Piccolo arc. I, I decided to, you know, flip them um, from what I had originally written down. So so yeah, um, giving you know assigning all the scores and the the order before I started was essential, so I wouldn't ever get in that problem of uh, you know except for this this one glaring exception, <laughs> I wouldn't get to I would, wouldn't get to that have that problem of oh I've already I've already assigned the ten, so it it wasn't uh, it wasn't like a haphazard type of thing, um, you know it was basically just I wrote down the first the first story arc and then I wrote down the yeah uh, the second one I'm like okay is the second one better or worse than this one and I would you know put it either above or below it and then I keep going till all all 10 story arcs were in a nice nice ordered list and that's the scores that they got <laughs> got it now that you've described it in that fashion that makes a little bit more sense to me so that said it it, it, it functions pretty similar to or to a ranking I, I guess you could say um but but yeah they they are they are considered scores so so does that mean red ribbon's your favorite um for all intents and purposes, I guess you could say that. Um, I, I did try to avoid scoring them based on just, oh, this is my favorite, but tried to score them based on more the level of quality. Yeah, like the level of quality I thought they had achieved. Um, and, and again, like again, you know, 10, 10 does not mean perfect and one does not mean worthless. One simply means that of all the, all the Dragon Ball story arcs, I think the other nine are better than it. Um, so, but so in terms of of, of favorite, uh, well, and also the 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 other the other thing to keep in mind is that I am scoring these these arcs as whole entities, because there are certainly certainly things in certain arcs that I I think are really good, and certain you know other things I think are really bad. It's sort of how it how it all jumbles together as a cohesive story. Um, there there are certain things because, as as you as you know if you watch the series the only score left is is one right now which is obviously going to go to the Majin Buu arc which means i think that it is the weakest arc the weakest story arc in Dragon Ball but that said there are moments in the Majin Buu arc that are some of my favorite in the entire franchise hmm it's just the way it's just the way that those all coalesce into a singular story is sort of lacking but in those like individualized moments it's like that that was a really great idea and that worked really well 
but it's just like it's surrounded by other things that aren't you know that aren't don't really gel really well <laughs> so i think the main or the obvious example at least in my brain would be the fusion dance is a bright spot in the boo arc for me what do you feel like are some of the bright spots in the boo arc I, I i'm curious well, that's 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 the problem, though, is I haven't put those episodes out yet. So oh, that's really, what I'm trying to get some exclusive content, man. <laughs> really, really terrible if I came on here after 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 eight years of carefully guarding my opinions on things until I got to them to completely spoil my own videos. I just want the one <laughs> hint. I just want the one hint. It's okay. It's okay. Well, well I, I can definitely say it's like you know, for example, because uh, I've already covered this already. I I, I think the great. I I love the great Siaman stuff me too he gets shit on so much and i hate it <laughs> but you know but but as i've said in the videos the way that it's actually executed is or at least the way that it's uh you know bounced around is is pretty narratively terrible you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think you nail it with one line in the great same man is um they spend a lot of time setting up the character and they essentially just abandon the use of the character almost right away um it makes almost yeah it's, it's, almost it's more sense. more time it's more time spent setting the character up than it actually is using using him. So <laughs> it's so unbalanced. Yeah, it does. I, I feel like they could have gotten a lot more mileage. Uh, I think honestly, I didn't put this one in the getting to know you questions, which by the way we're still in. Um, <laughs> but I almost asked which is your favorite movie. If I had to bet, you'd pick between the first three movies. But one of my soft spots for the movies is is movie 13 uh dragon fist explosion versus herudicarn and i think a lot of that sentimentality comes from how much the great saiyan both of them are utilized in the few opening scenes i, I love getting some of that uh additional saiyan action oh yeah I, I love that opening to that movie although i still wish he'd gone back to the helmet at that point but <laughs> Especially, especially because she has a helmet, you know? It's like that they would, you know... Exactly. <laughs> they would compliment each other better. Uh, it's just like they didn't get the, uh, they didn't get the memo on, on wanting to match on uh, their same in uniforms. Um, what is your favorite opening song for the series? Oh, how, that, that is tough, because there are so many that I, that I do like. Um, and and, and that's, that, that's something that's, that's fun, that ties into my nostalgia, too, because going to those... those uh, you know, late nineties fan sites. Oh, you know, okay. So it, I don't know if you would consider doing an English opening song. You wouldn't do that. I don't think you would do that, but I was going to say, oh, if, oh, it, was, if it helps oh, you oh, narrow oh, it, oh, it down, oh, like you think I, Japanese. Oh, was, oh, was it like, Oh, was it like, Oh, was it like, you think I pick rock the dragon or something? <laughs> I mean, I'm nostal- you said nostalgia and I get a little nostalgic for that song too. And I'm a bit oh, of a yeah, sub no, yeah, I, Like, well, especially because that, that was a song you don't, if, if you watched it on Toonami, uh, since Toonami never showed the, or, Except for Real Adventures of Johnny Quest, they always did it there. But it's like normally Toonami would cut out the openings for their shows and put in their own custom openings. So it's like you'd only ever hear the theme song in the end credits. Mm. So when they played the Toonami movies and they actually played the opening, you know, there for the you know for the first time, I I, I did you know I, I did find it catchy at the time. But <laughs> no no, uh, what I, what what I was getting at is that a lot of those fan sites, because because again the fan sites that that came up at the time, those were all from the Japanese fans, you know, like you know people there there weren't a lot of, you know, Funimation dub fans at the time, you know, it's, <laughs> it's funny to think that that they're the majority now when things weren't like that in the nineties, um, but no, it's like you know, so it's like so like back then all those all those primitive website tropes, and one of them was you know to to autoplay midis. 
of songs on your on your web pages, you know? <laughs> I remember this you know, from my <laughs> uh, my Angel Fire pages, yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty sure the very first actual Dragon Ball theme song that I heard in in MIDI form was was We Were Angels. Oh, I love that song <laughs> so much. <laughs> but like, you know, there, there there were so many of them that I I heard this way. I didn't I didn't know what they were, what they were used for. All, all I knew was like a sort of you know, a truncated name because like the, the file name you'd see in the loading bar when it would load the page for split second. So I was like, okay, this is angels or something. And this is a Chala something. And, and this is, this is, this is blue. I love, I love blue velvet. I love blue the, velvet the, too. That's the third Dragon Ball GT closing, closing songs for GT. <laughs> I, 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 I would go to the websites and go to the specific pages on those websites just to sit there and listen to the songs, you know, <laughs> in MIDI form back in the day. <laughs> Yeah, in in MIDI, I, I I can't I don't even know how long it was before I actually heard the real songs. You know, again, this was the the '90s. It's hard to, you know, this is like even before Napster and stuff like that. Yeah, so. <laughs> Napster was my gateway into Dragon Ball music in the sixth grade. I downloaded all of those songs and played them on repeat ad nauseum. Um, all right, but opening songs. We're talking Makafushigi Adventure, Chala okay, Hechala, okay. Power We Got to Power. Don Don, I guess we can count Super Two if you would even consider those. <laughs> um, I, I I'd say either either Makafushigi or Chala Chala. Okay, I'm inclined to go Don Don every time. That song is just in my soul for some reason. Oh, I I love that one. I I think that was one that I didn't encounter until a little bit later, like after I already sort of gotten a repertoire of MIDI songs, and suddenly I found this one that was just labeled as as Don Don. And it, I was like, "Oh my god, this sounds this is amazing!" You know, I, 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 I to, to, this, to this day, I, I might like the songs more in MIDI than I do the actual real <laughs> songs. Um, and I feel like I'm dragging all these answers out, but there's just so many fun stories to go with them, you know? <laughs> no man, roll with it. Um, so I know that I didn't throw this one in the outline, but I did ask this one to our friend Masako X. Uh, because I thought he did a cover in the Team Four Star episode sixty thing of Spirit versus Spirit, but it turns out it wasn't him. But anyway, that question took a right turn into what's his favorite Kagayama song. So I, I feel like I need to ask that mm-hmm. to you too. What's what's your favorite Hironobu Kagayama song or Kagayama Hironobu song? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a lot. <laughs> But Dragon Ball specific, if that helps you. I, I saw somebody posted yeah. something the other day. It's like all the songs that Kagayama's done from like 84 through 1999 or something. And it's like 22 minutes of just kick-ass <laughs> 90-second anime openings. <laughs> oh, uh, good lord. Um, I don't know. Like his his vocals for Chala Head Chala are just are so infectious. But obviously that that's a pretty obvious obvious answer. Obviously obvious. Um. <laughs> But so uh, I, I I don't know like there's there were so many of those like movie ending themes most of them just didn't stick with me at all they a lot of them seemed kind of generic to me but I I see your face do you they're, like they're, burning they're... fight burning fight <laughs> I I do like burning fight especially because it because it just I always heard Barney Fife instead I grew up watching <laughs> 60s television <laughs> but no I I I always had a soft spot for the one I I I, didn't, I don't even know the name of it actually but it's the one that's in movie nine DBZ movie nine. Um, is that the uh, second Broly movie? No, no, no. That's the BoJack movie. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know which one that is. It's called. It's called. Oh, sorry. It's called Rising High. Oh, I do know that. Dun 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 dun. 
love that song. Rising high, rising high. It's a great tune. Good pick. Cool. That 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 one is so catchy. It's like you know some of those some of them feel kind of generic to me, but that one always was like, yeah, I I, like that one. That one always stuck with me. Deep cut. Good pick. Um, so I guess we should probably move over into um Dragon Ball dissection. Um, you've been doing it for eight years. That's like a hell of a commitment. I I haven't been doing (laughs) super dope for not. Almost three years now I've been doing Super Dope. Um, the idea of me... Has it been that long already? Wow. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it. I, I I started doing the math today. Not that it's hard math to do, but I'm like, man, we were we did um, we did Dragon Ball Super as a podcast while Dragon Ball was on the air for about seven months. <laughs> but we found like a cool little niche audience and you know, I like the people that um like our show and they like the content we put out. So we continue to do it. But um we started to spread it out a little bit because obviously Dragon Ball content is scarce. But uh we did My Hero Academia season four. I think have you ever watched um the reason I ask is because I know you've done a good portion of Super Sentai uh videos for your channel as well. Um did you ever watch the Supita Man series from 1978? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've seen a couple clips of it. I haven't. I've never actually really delved into it. It's pretty bad, and bad in a really fun way. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to start doing um, Supita Man Sundays. I think is what I'm tentatively calling it. But we're gonna go through that series episode by episode. Um, <sighs> that's a shit show. Anyway, that's the kind of um, hard up luck that I've got in terms of seeking out content and episode review stuff. Um, Dragon Ball to Spider Man. Anyway, eight years is a long time to commit to doing Dragon Ball dissection. What was the idea or what was the impetus to make you want to start this series in the first place? It it has been a long time. My, my I've been doing my channel for eleven years this month. Uh, and uh, both of those eight years and 11 years, that's, that's longer than I ever spent in a single home, <laughs> longer than I spent in a school, longer than any relationship I've ever, uh, destroyed. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, it's definitely a, a big, big commitment. Um, but, uh, but going back to those, uh, those doomed, uh, doomed podcast attempts in, in Nashville, that's, that's pretty much when I was first thinking of getting the ideas of putting the of something like something like Dragon Ball dissection together cuz at that point I've been doing my channel for uh, a little over a year and um I I had, I had just been working on on those super sentai videos you you just mentioned uh which which are still like the some of the most highest viewed videos on my channel after all this time but I I had just hit my first 100 subscribers but my my first video that ever really made any kind of impact was my uh was my Dragon Box Volume One review that I did when that first came out. <laughs> uh, and so it was, it, was like, it was like if I went to my my YouTube analytics, which wasn't called analytics back then, I forget what it was called back then. Uh, but if I went to that and looked at my my overall viewer graph for the entire history of my channel, that was like the first big, you know first time that line just sort of spiked, you know, that, that spike looks really tiny now, thankfully compared to 
you know, things that have happened in the past, you know, 10 years since then. But um, yeah, that was, that was, that was a huge spike for me at the time. Uh, so, and, and definitely of all the fandoms that I've been in, uh, I've, I, there's certainly things that I was in younger than I was young, younger than when I was 12 to be sure, but nothing that I've really sort of stayed invested in as much as, as much as Dragon Ball. Uh, so being into Dragon Ball at that point for about 12 years, um, I had managed to develop a lot of opinions on it somehow. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and, and and certainly having joined the Kanzenshu forums earlier, which I, at the time with the Daizenshu EX forums, um, earlier, uh, several months earlier, I finally sort of gotten uh, people to talk Dragon Ball with. Because it's, it's really funny. I've, I've never, I never... I tend to indulge in fandom in a very sort of solo, secluded kind of way, you know? And I, I never really got involved with any kind of Dragon Ball fandom. It was especially hard for Dragon Ball because... After the year 2000, the Dragon Ball that I was a fan of was not the same Dragon Ball that all of my friends in school were fans of. So Ugh. it's like I, I, I'd come because I, I, I got converted. I got converted. Uh, yeah. after, I so and, relate and the, to what you just said. <laughs> in the summer of eighth, after eighth grade, I, I, I really, you know, I, we got a new computer with better internet. I found all these awesome sites like Planetnomic and DBZ Uncensored, started buying fan subs. I came back into high school and all my friends hated me because uh. <laughs> I, I came, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, the, the cell arc was airing and they, that they, 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 uh, you know, they had that, that terrible flashback to the red ribbon army stuff where they had the entire story completely wrong. And suddenly I knew all this stuff because I'd done all this research over the summer and I was so angry. And so, you know, my friends and I'd be having the, having our conversations and it was just me saying, Oh, this was wrong. And this was terrible. And this is the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> And, and, I, and I was probably pretty obnoxious about it too, but it's like you know we we were definitely you know teenage kids fighting over this you know this this, this stuff. So eventually, it just sort of became like uh, I realized that uh, it wasn't something that I really socialized with. It's like it was just something I didn't really have anybody who I could relate to uh, in my real life. Uh, and what happens so, when that happens? You turn to the internet. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so, so it really wasn't until 2009, the end of 2009, when I joined the Konzenshu boards, finally. I don't know why it took me so long. I just wasn't much of a forum person. I was like, okay, this, this is my, my tribe, in a sense. This is these people I can talk Dragon Ball with. Um, and so, I, you know, I, through that, I sort of managed to articulate a lot of things, I, I, feelings I had about Dragon Ball. I didn't really see a lot of content out there. And, and plus, when I was that awkward teenager in the early 2000s. It was like, I, I, I took web design in, in high school, a semester of it, just so I could like make my own Dragon Ball webpage, which I never did. <laughs> but, but, I, but, I, but I had like these dreams, especially because this was like the pre-bilingual the pre, uh, DVDs. You, you couldn't, you know, you had to get these, these fan subs, you know? Uh, so I just had like this dream that, because I loved the, the site DBZ Uncensored. That's what sort of helped convert me, you know? And I just sort of had this dream that like Chris Soros would step down and like choose me as his successor and hand me his <laughs> hand me this 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 giant box of tapes he'd recorded off the international channel. And I finally get to see, you know, all of Japanese Dragon Ball. So it sort of seemed like at that point uh, I already had a YouTube channel. wasn't wasn't quite the same as a web page, but that was like the 21st century equivalent of having a fan page is having a YouTube channel. So yeah. <laughs> um. So so I just remember like taking these these long walks at night while I was like scripting all the super super Sentai videos as I was sort of brainstorming those I was 
you know, thinking about all this Dragon Ball stuff too. It's like, oh, what, what would I say about, you know, about what happens to Yamcha and the Cell Arc, you know? And you know, what would I, you know, what, what, what you know, what, 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 all, all, all these different ideas, you know, you know, and like that example, I didn't get to that for like the next six years or so, you know? <laughs> so it was definitely, you know, it was definitely stuff I sort of like tucked away in a box for a very long time. I, I, I guess... I guess I'm very patient in that regard, but, um, but yeah, it just seemed like it wasn't something that anybody else was, was really doing in an in-depth way. And I'd, um, and I, I guess I can't really understate my, um, you know, sources of inspiration. It was like, I was making these super Sentai videos at the same time that, uh, you know, this, uh, a reviewer named Linkara was making his history of power Rangers videos. And that was sort of what inspired me to make a super Sentai type thing was like, Oh, I, you know, that sort of re-sparked, my childhood interest in Power Rangers, but if if you look at them, uh, Dragon Ball Dissection is structured kind of similarly to the power, history of Power Rangers. And then then I found out that uh, he had taken that's his style from a reviewer named SF Debris, who did Star Trek reviews. And I, I'm a huge Star Trek fan, so I started watching his reviews. And you know, I I really definitely borrowed a, sort of the format from that too. I borrowed the scoring system from from SF Debris. Because there were ten Star Trek movies, and he had a one one through ten score of what you know the original ten at the time before the reboot movie, um, and so it was like a one through ten scoring system, and each one got you know it was all graded like scored on a curve kind of thing. So I was like, oh, I, I can take you know that and sort of do my own twist on it, and and then that was sort of how uh, you know and he, doing each arc with its own you know sort of uh, its own unique opening that came from SF Debris because he each. Each Star Trek series, of course, this is all more episodic, so he's able to sort of just jump around from episode to episode and series to series. But each individual Star Trek series had its own opening, so I, you know, I sort of took that idea from that. Um, so it all just sort of came, like, because I, I was sort of moving away from that kind of caustic, angry reviewer that was in vogue at the time, that sort of nostalgia critic, you know, spoony experiment sort of uh, yeah. Uh, re- like reviews as comedy skits kind of thing, which, which I, I don't have any, I'm not saying I don't, I, I still do that on occasion. Um, you know, my, my latest Batman review is still kind of in that style. Um, but, but I was, I was sort of seeing you could do more analytical, serious content as well. And, and, uh, get off the ground with that. And it see, well, I vastly, vastly underestimated the kind of commitment that entailed really <laughs> so i was i just figured it would be like you know just just a little series i would do on my channel along other things um i really didn't think i'd be doing it eight years later to be sure uh, I'm, I'm glad i still am but um uh especially since it's become such a popular segment on my channel uh but it, i definitely did not understand what i was getting into when I, I figured it'd be like, oh, I I get this done within a year or so, you know. <laughs> yeah, no such luck. The uh, the demand is there, and uh, you've got the goods. So, one, is it <laughs> once a month you do Dragon Ball dissection? No, there's 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 no real set, you know, because I I try to put out a new video, a new Mister Fusion video every every two weeks. It usually comes out on on Mondays, um, and sometimes it's a Dragon Ball dissection video, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes, um. Uh, especially for a while, I was trying to do like a Dragon Ball dissection video and then like a slightly easier, less time consuming video to sort of keep my, you know, keep me from burning out and running out of time. Kind a of lot thing. of edit, edits for your Dragon Ball dissection videos. Yeah. So, so it did kind of end up, I guess, kind of averaging out to, to about once a month because of the fact that it was sort of alternating like that in every two weeks. 
Um, but but there, there were some times, you know, on, on occasion it would be, you know, two Dragon Ball dissections in a row, kind of like what, what just happened with the last two episodes. And then, of course, there's... Uh, I don't know what masochistic streak came over me in 2013 to decide, oh, I'm going to celebrate Christmas by doing a month-long Dragon Ball Dissection Marathon. <laughs> now I'm just now I'm sort of stuck in it now, and I can't, <laughs> I can't not do it because it's become too too big of a deal. Uh, you know, it was bad enough the first year when it was four videos, then suddenly it was like, oh, this video is too long. I'll split it into two parts, and that happened two years in a row. So after that, it was like, oh, I guess I should just do five videos now. <laughs> so... I mean, it's a lot of content to have to cover. I mean, primarily you're doing just the manga, but you also do break off and do Dragon Ball dissection television specific. You also do the movies, but having to cover so much content and being able to consistently consistently deliver high quality analysis and input on the series that's been around for so long when I feel like everything's been said about it, but you consistently find new and interesting things to say about it. When you sit down to write a Dragon Ball dissection script, do you have like any specific rules or like goals in mind in, in terms of like how you intend to inform the people who watch your videos? What's that thought process look like? Um, it, it's definitely evolved over time because I, I, I'm, I'm fairly certain. I'm almost entirely certain. Like when I did the first story arc, it was, it was just one, it was just one script was one script and then I cut it into three parts and so the whole thing was sort of done all at once. Um, and then it was just separated into, you know, bite-sized formats. But obviously as the arcs have gotten longer and my videos have gotten more detailed, I, it's just... 13-part Frieza yeah. arc. I know. <laughs> yeah, 18-part Cell arc. Oof. You know, yeah, 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 the first story arc I covered in three episodes. Same thing with the second one and same thing with, uh, with the fourth one. Uh, but it's never been never been that short again, really. Um, so yeah, it would it would take me months to just sit down and write out the entire arc from start to finish, uh, you know. So 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 I definitely do write them, um, write them episode by episode now, uh, and and it certainly is has become more challenging, uh, to uh, to stay structured in that format as as the videos get longer and the number of parts get longer, and it's like it could take me you know, a year and a half. I think, I think it was like about a year and a half. No, it was like a year and nine or 10 months to cover the cell arc. Well, yeah, I think you like, said it uh, in one of the same videos. You, you focused a lot in the beginning of cell and you, you know, as you get toward the end, it kind of becomes a little bit more broad, but you focused a lot on the upfront stuff, which kind of drags it out a little bit, not drags it out. That's the wrong term. Um, elongates it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it was, well, that's partly because I, I think I said that in the, yeah, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a cyan arc, as you said. Um, where it's 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 more just because of the structure of the story. Where it's like once you get into the fighting, you know, it's yeah. If uh, I mean, well, I'm 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 not gonna say there isn't a lot that could be mined there. I'm sure somebody who has a uh, a keener keener eye and larger interest in the choreography of martial arts, uh, fictional martial arts combat, could probably you know make really detailed videos about that. I I do focus I do focus pretty heavily on story story and characterization though so so obviously once you get to the fighting it's it's you know not not me given like the you know howard cassell play-by-play -play, you know of every single move that happens it's just how does this tell the story so so it does tend to go a little faster at that point 
but yeah, but yeah, when you spend like an spend a year and a half working on the same story arc, uh, it's really hard not to uh, either repeat yourself or or forget like you had this this amazing point you wanted to make, but it's, we're saving it for later, and then you forget about it a year down the road, kind of thing. So I, I definitely, in the past several years, have tried to keep things as organized as possible, where I have just voluminous notes of things. If I have an idea, I'll write it down so I won't. It's like, oh, I'm going to use this when I get to this chapter. There's like 50 chapters from now kind of thing. And I'm totally going to forget it, so I'll write it down. You know, it's, it's basically just... Uh, and, and especially like the in the past few years, I've become more... Uh, I've become a little less chronology-structured and a little more topic-structured. So it's like I, I get so many so many times people are like, well, why didn't you mention this? And it's like, well, because I have nothing to say about it right now. But once we get a little bit later in and this sort of becomes a, a larger growing motif or a theme, I'm going to cover the whole theme at once. And it doesn't doesn't really flow well in a script to say, oh, and then this thing happened <laughs> and then that thing happened. You know, it's like if, if you don't have a reason to talk about something, then it's, you know, don't don't bother to write it in. I, I, I love you know, uh, again, to go back to my, my hero, SF Debris, he, has, he had this thing he said in a video once. It's called, I have this, I have this disease called You Forgotism, where it's, <laughs> where it's like every time, I, every time I put out a video, it's like I hear this little voice in my head saying, if you don't put it in the review, people will think you forgot, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, all, it's always that, that sort of curse where you're, you're trying to, uh, you know, structure things as professionally as possible, but you, you know, you know that people, uh, have certain expectations and, and a, a, after you've been doing this for enough years, you can kind of read the room, you know, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and so it's, I almost try to sort of head things off at the past now where I make little jokes. I, I feel like, um, Oh, what was it? Uh, Oh yeah. I, I had, Oh yeah. I was, uh, I was doing a cell arc video last year where I mentioned that, uh, you know, it's during the, the, the days of peace before the cell games and Goku's driving his family around in a car, you know, and so I made a comment about how, oh, I guess Goku learned to drive at some point because I'm covering specifically the manga and I do not, you know, use stuff from other sources in my analysis of the manga. And, but I, I know Dragon Ball fans enough to know that's a popular enough episode that someone's going to go, well, but actually in the TV series, yep. he learned to drive in this episode, you know? And it's like, yeah, I, I, I know that. I, I've, seen, I've seen the show. I'm just not covering that right now. So I'd, I'd make make a sort of little joke at, at that expense going, and don't you ever, you know, say this, and, you know, it's, it's overrated anyway. You know, I made a little quip at its expense kind of thing. So I try to head these things off at the pass, but it, it's, um, I, I, I think you sort of have to approach these scripts like you would for, you know, as unfun as it sounds, like, like any kind of, you know, research paper or anything where it's, you know, you, you, you do multiple drafts, you, 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 you write a draft and then you, come back to it a couple days later and then you look at it again and go, okay, I could, I could do this better. Uh, a, a lot of times, like the, sometimes I have scripts that just sort of just flow out really easily where I know exactly what I want to say. Other times it's like, I'm just banging out stuff on the keyboard as it comes into my head. And, and part of it, I'm like, this, this is crap. I know this is crap, but I, ha I have to make it to the end of this draft because then I can go back to it and see what I have. And then sort of, it's, it's always the structure. It's always when things don't flow right. That's when I can tell where it's like, Oh, this this would make much more sense if I put it in you know earlier with this. This flows better. It's all about finding finding a flow, and and I, I think if you do it enough times, uh, then then you start to see where things look awkward, and 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 once you have that really painful first draft, and you have everything out on the page, 
then it's like you, you, you can you can see the the bigger picture and be able to organize things the way you want them to be. G Lance, what's a first draft? I just want to watch Dragon Ball Heroes and have a webcam on my face so I can react and upload that as content. <laughs> <laughs> no, I so appreciate the thoughtful research that goes into because like I said, um I'm I, I don't know. I'll say it. I'm a little bit of a stomp when it comes to Dragon Ball content. And um, I'm not trying to take any, you know, pot shots at like people who do live reaction videos, but that, in my opinion, is very low quality content. Like literally anybody can do that if you own a webcam, whether you're invested in the series or not. Um, to be able to look at Dragon Ball with such an analytical eye is not just something that you can decide to do. And I don't know, I feel like in the last few years specifically, maybe it's because I've got more of a finger on the pulse of what we all do as content creators, like Dragon Ball YouTube and Dragon Ball podcast, because that's the world. And there are several of us, weirdly, um, two very different animals, but like being able to create quality content for both one or the other, I feel requires the kind of level of research that you're talking about here. So I don't know. No pot shots at reactors, but I, I appreciate the more uh, thoughtful, scripted, uh, sometimes drafted over out, uh, drafted over two or three different versions uh, content. I, I prefer that sort of uh, deal as opposed to Dragon Ball Heroes live reaction episode 22. I think 22 dropped today. Have you watched it? Are you watching that mess of a thing? Heroes? I have not seen any of Heroes. I, I, You've I have not my watched limits. any of it? <laughs> I have my limits, all right? <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad it's fun, though. Come on. I, I don't know. I don't know. It just... <laughs> it really... Uh, uh, as as I was saying earlier, it's... While, while I like... I, I, I like good combat that can get me emotionally invested, but... Uh, and, and, and to be fair, I, I, I can't really give an informed opinion on the series because I haven't seen it. So I could be totally off base here. But I, I sort of get the impression that like Dragon Ball Heroes has really sort of become that distilled. This is us getting our action figures together and losing all pretense and just sort of having them fight each other. And and, and honestly, if if there's nothing for me to emotionally connect to with the characters or the plot, if it's just I I, I never I, it, it honestly it honestly surprised me the first time I heard somebody say you watch Dragon Ball for the story. It literally did just really it really did shock me to have somebody tell me that. Yeah, or to ask me that. Uh, to me, it's to me everything is about the story. You know, I've I've never been a person who can just subsist on on fighting or action or special effects or hype. There's there's certainly a novelty to it, you know. But if if it's if it's just that, I I zone out. And it was just like, uh, I'm sorry, but watching the 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 Broly movie in theaters last year, I I was having a good time. And then the fighting started, and it was just like 50 minutes of nothing but that. And I'm just like struggling to to pay attention. I was like, okay, they're fighting still. This is I'm getting bored. Can we go back to the scenes where where your Chi-Li and Bro Broly and and Limo were talking about his pet bear thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I I miss, I miss that. <laughs> I've had that exact same moment where somebody kind of busted my chops about nitpicking at a Dragon Ball story like before we ever had a podcast. I was talking with uh my dad and his best friend, who my dad's fairly young in regards to what my age is, but they're the ones who kind of showed me the way into Dragon Ball. But I'd been keeping up with Super. They had not been keeping up with Super. Uh, my Uncle Julius is a huge Future Trunks fan. 
And I was like, yo, Trunks is back. This is this is where what we've been waiting for. We're so excited. However, the end of this arc just ended the way it ended. And I'm kind of mad. And uh, they just took what I felt was a pretty solid arc in terms of setup and just pissed it all away. And they looked at me and they're like, dude, it's, it's fucking Dragon Ball. Like, what are you upset about? Are you really going to try to nitpick the story of Dragon Ball? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> they could have done it better. It didn't make as much sense as it could have. <laughs> Well, first off, I I I don't want to come across as a snob. I I you know I, I do it I'm every day. That... Don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm genuinely glad that that people like things for the reasons that they like them, and and just because they're not the reasons that I that I come to things doesn't mean that it's valid. But just just for me personally, I've never been able to get on board the hype train. You know, it just doesn't really do it for me. You know, and 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 I can certainly see to an extent, uh, because. Like Dragon Ball is is not a very complex or deep story. This is not like adult literature or anything. It it is it is pretty basic. So I can sort of I can understand a dismissive kind of oh you know why are you gonna nitpick this this story for for, for little kids kind of thing. It's supposed to be based. But 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 you know, but on one hand I I do feel that uh, even kids shows can have enough of an enough of a narrative to be invested in it. And plus there are some really sophisticated children's programming nowadays that you know, a lot of which can you know blow dragon ball out of the water really um <laughs> my hero I mean, academia you, know, I, you have to check it out i'm serious yeah. if you like the characterization no, I mean, like, I, and character arcs you have to check it out i i i i might love dragon ball to my dying day but i i will not hesitate to say that i think avatar the last airbender is a higher quality series <laughs> wow see i've never watched it but i've had several people in my life who are equal dragon ball fans to me in every way shape and form say that exact same thing to me i want to get into this gohan question because i feel like we might bite off a whole extra bunch of, of stuff here you recently started covering boo in the dragon ball dissection and did the Sega Man chapters in your last two videos. And you talk about something that I feel is sort of, I don't know if I want to say misunderstood or, or misreported or whatever, but the idea of we have this seven-year time skip between the end of the Cell arc and the beginning of Boo. You frame the art right there. Uh, Kame Senen comes in on the title page of that chapter and says... Son Gohan is taking over as our main protagonist here, and we pick up with him um, moving, or not moving, but um, commuting to Satan City on Kinto-un to go to high school. So my question is, it all takes place over the course of two chapters, I think. Um, his whole high school excursion and breaking up this bank robbery and making this persona of the, I mean, first it's the golden warrior to cover himself uh, with the super Saiyan transformation. He doesn't want anybody to know who he is. Goes and visits Bulma, gets the cool fancy watch. It was an opportunity for Dragon Ball to start over, I feel. And um, I don't know what made Toriyama sort of renege on it or sort of walk it back so quickly, but I feel like you did a really interesting job in breaking it down in the most two recent Dragon Ball dissection videos. Um, just as like a, a summary of what you talked about within those two videos, what do you feel made Toriyama move away from Gohan and kind of revert back to Goku as that main protagonist in that arc? Well, well, first I'll I'll, I'll give I'll give Toriyama some some credit. Uh, it, it was it was five chapters. It wasn't wasn't just two. Excuse me. <laughs> So five uh, weeks worth of material setting up yeah. Gohan as the new main guy. 
And then mm-hmm. Goku's back from the dead for a day, except now it's forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have had a few people in my comments in the last, on, on the last video, particularly, you know, make, make, make the argument that uh, this really isn't technically the end, end for Gohan. He's still sort of in the lead role, and it really is not until... Not really until Goku comes back to life that he really becomes the main character again, and and uh, that that's interesting. I mean, and it's it's really hard to get a clear gauge on what exactly Toriyama was thinking at any given time. Maybe he really did just intend to have Goku as a guest star at this point. Um, but for me, though, it it really does feel like the instant that Goku returns to that tournament. He has become the focal point again, and and, and, and again, I haven't, I haven't written the video on that section yet, so I'd have to really review to be completely sure on that. But it really just feels like, you know, because I I, I mentioned before on on my video about the sort of orbit of, of, of depending on who the main character is is who your supporting cast is going to be. Basically, it's like you know characters like Yamcha, Tenshinhan, and Chaozu really wouldn't fit that well in a Gohan focused story because Gohan's not close to those characters. His orbit is slightly different from Goku's orbit, but once Goku comes back, the orbit moves completely to those same characters we had before. It's Goku who's leading the charge, he's the one who has the ideas, he's the one who follows the Kaioshin, you know, to... to you know, and basically, so basically from the moment he comes back into the story, he, is, he has become the main character again, and so I have a hard time... It's an interesting shame, it's an interesting thought process, but Gohan doesn't really do all that much... For the moment, Go- Goku comes back. He gets his energy drained, and then he gets beaten by Boo. He's unconscious for a very long time. Then he's, you know, sequestered away in the Kaioshin realm for a very long time, and he has a very brief moment to take center stage again. So it really just—it really doesn't feel like like any of the Boo arc beyond these first these opening chapters really focus on him and his struggle and his story. It's it's the Saiyaman stuff, and it's those few chapters of training. And and then the focus is completely shifted. Um, it's it's hard for me to say exactly what would be the impetus for that. There there are a lot there are a lot of there've been a lot of interviews over the years and a lot of things that we do know about Dragon Ball. But you know, generally speaking, they they do tend to be a bit more from what I under, at least from what I understand about Dragon Ball interviews, they tend to be a lot more guarded in terms of like you don't have the same kind of you know, audio commentaries you'd have on, on American shows where the creators sit down and go, well, we had this idea and he wrote this stuff down and da, da 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 you know, and explain everything about how, you know, about how it happened. We have, you know, very little in regards to the creation of Dragon Ball overall. Um, so we, we have, like, the Daizenshu 2 quote that I used in my video, which is, you know, simply Toriyama saying in a very vague way, um, I intended to make Gohan the main character, it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, you know that, that, that that's what he says. Uh, I, I I did I did see a more recent interview. It's like a, a roundtable with him and, and Toyotaro, and one of the Dragon Ball Super related things where they start talking about that. And Toriyama said that. Um, and again, to be fair, you know, this is like you know, uh, almost thirty years later. <laughs> you know, he's saying that you know I, I really enjoyed. Um, you know, that they were both saying I really enjoyed all that stuff with Gohan in high school. And Toriyama's like, yeah, I really want to do it more. People. But, you know, people seem to want uh, want to get to the next big, big thing, you know. And so I really needed to move it along to the, you know, to get a big, you know, main villain in there. So, so I mean, that, that might lend, at least lend a little bit of credence. I, I, I don't think there's anything as, you know, the, the fan rumors of, uh, 
oh, there was a backlash and you know, the fans revolted and they wouldn't let, you know, Gohan be the main character. I, I don't, I don't think, you know, there's, there's never been anything to back that up. You know, there, there might be something to the, to the idea of the format being radically different. Um, and, and yeah, it did seem to sort of lend itself and, and the TV series definitely adapted it this way when they expanded it uh, into a much more episodic series than it had been in a very long time of, you know, Gohan goes to school and there's a threat to happen and he goes and transforms. It's almost like an episode of Power Rangers in a sense or any other, you know, where it's like you, you have a threat of the week and Gohan goes and defeats it. And, and, and it might have been that and maybe it wouldn't have been that. Um, th- there is definitely certainly... Certainly, some credence to the idea that it was it was very very different from anything else in Dragon Ball, and and whether that would fit to either what Toriyama was comfortable writing or what the fans uh, expected from Dragon Ball, whether Gohan was the main character or not, uh, it was definitely a departure, and I can see him could because he definitely does go back to the formula as quickly as he possibly can. Um, and and uh, as as far as the characters themselves. I, I've seen some compelling arguments made that, um, especially, you know, I've I've complained about Goku's characterization at certain points and how it's uh, seems to have shifted into a certain more reckless persona as the years went by. <laughs> but uh, I've seen people say that you know, it, without without Goku being there to, you know, make reckless decisions, then. You know, the plot would resolve too easily. I, I, it's interesting. I don't, I don't know if I really buy it, though. Especially because in... And at the very least, the last two arcs, they rely on Vegeta screwing things up terribly. <laughs> A lot in the Cell arc specifically, yep. <laughs> and then again, when yeah. he becomes Majin Vegeta, for sure. Yeah, Boo Arc wouldn't have, wouldn't have gotten off the ground if Vegeta hadn't betrayed everybody. So so you could obviously do that without Goku there. It's, it's really Vegeta who serves as the catalyst for terrible, terrible things happening. Uh, so you don't really need Goku for that. So, um, um, I don't know. I, 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 I do think it's possible Goku, while, while being a relatively static character is a very unique, um, very vibrant character. Uh, he's, he's someone who reacts to the world in very unique ways um, has a very um, distinct sense of humor and ways of approaching the world that don't that aren't really uh, very orthodox. He's very esoteric, and that's what um, makes so much of the charm of Dragon Ball, in my opinion. It's Goku's yeah, reaction to the world. Yeah, and 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 Gohan uh, for a lot of the run was very much the uh, the kid character, and didn't really have much of an identity beyond that. He was. Um, he was, he was brave and he was strong and he stood up for people who, uh, who needed help. Um, and, and I, I've, I've seen, I've seen people argue that he really didn't get a personality until he became a teenager, that he, you know, like turning him into this nerdier character was at least a direction for his character to go in. But I feel like you could make the argument that everything you'd seen from Gohan previous to him being in high school it all equals out like that math equation balances out for me. Like the nerd in high school who has the ambition to protect people with his strength and all that. Um, given everything we know about Gohan leading up to it, it makes sense that that's what his personality turns out to be. That's like the only logical progression in my opinion. Oh, definitely. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't think those people are saying that it's out of character, but just that it really actually uh, defines it in a way that, that makes him more than just, 
you know, stalwart and brave and rights the wrongs, it actually gives him more of a personality. Um, but but maybe that maybe that just wasn't wasn't enough compared to compared to Goku, perhaps. I I, I don't know. I, again, it's uh, it, it's difficult because one, I'm ha- I would have to dig into the mind of Toriyama. Good luck with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and two, as, as I said in, in my last episode of Dragon Ball Dissection, is that there it's hard to hard to judge the quality of something that you haven't actually seen. Uh, you know, just just like with the uh, you know, number nineteen and number twenty is is the as Toriyama's only idea for villains in the Cell arc. It's like you know, you know, is previous editor Toriyama had come in and said, you know, this is this isn't going to work. Change it, and it's like he could be right, but I, you know, me speaking as a person who's just reading the finished product, I I haven't seen it, so I don't really know if it worked or not. Likewise, since we spend, you know about two-thirds of the Great Saiyaman stuff just setting up Great Saiyaman, and he really gets to do one thing before he's retired, it's hard for me to say, yeah, this was a failure, or this wouldn't work, because I don't really know what it would have been or what it could have been if it had been allowed to continue on. It might have been like what the TV series did, where it was an episodic, you know, go on fights the bad guy every episode, or or it might have, you know, evolved into something different. It might, you know, it could have been, who, who knows what it could have been? We really don't know, and... Without, and we don't know if Toriyama had any idea what it would have been, you know? <laughs> well, I think that's an interesting point is because the way that you just answered that question had me think about this whole situation in a way that I'd never really considered before is maybe Toriyama got to this whole Gohan as the protagonist thing and he just wasn't really sure what exactly to do with it. Like the thing that made me think of it was you mentioned the smaller circles. Like, yeah, maybe Gohan has a close connection to the obvious ones like Piccolo and, and Krillin, but like Tianjin Han, Yamcha, Chaozu, they're all going to be out here in the distance. Um, how do you kind of rectify, especially with a show like Dragon Ball, where so much of it is tied into like the merchandising aspect and having as much char- as many characters involved as you possibly can why wouldn't you put yourself in a position to keep that cast as expansive as possible when the alternative is, all right, let's take the the son of the main character and put him in this, this, this territory where we're not really sure what we can do with it. That being, you know, him as a high school student and see what we can come of it when we already know that this is like the tried and true formula in terms, in terms of, uh, the Z warriors and, uh, <laughs> all of their uh their you know fights to this point obviously i say z warriors and want to say dragon team <laughs> yeah, it was it was definitely um a risky concept to go into i mean like yeah to yeah to bring to bring in to bring the merchandising into it like you just said it's like i i have a hard time and and, and again this is like i said who, who knows who knows how things would have panned out had it kept going but it's like yeah it's hard, hard to imagine you know Shopner, the long-haired blonde jock selling a lot of action figures, you know? It's like, maybe he could have, I don't know. If they made an SBC of Shopner, I would have totally bought it, no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, yeah, it really, it really was. It, it is kind of impressive that Toriyama just really... Because, you know, there, there's, there were certainly safer ways you could make Gohan the main character, I suppose, than, you know, completely shuffling off almost the entire main cast. You know, in the great Saiyaman stuff, it's you get a couple of cameos by like Vegeta and Trunks, maybe, but yeah, it's introducing all these new characters. It's 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 Videl and it's Ereza and Shopner and and some unnamed kid wearing glasses, you know. And it's it 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 was definitely a risky proposition, and I I can I I respect that because um yeah I'm I'm trying to wait till we get to the super part for this, but uh, it's you know the 
That's something that I really like about about Dragon Ball. Uh, but I can definitely see why that would be off-putting, or or maybe just maybe unworkable. I'm not I'm not I'm not going to as as much as I as much as I dig into how abrupt that change feels. I'm not just going to go out and say that maybe it wasn't maybe it wasn't better for him to have cut his losses at that point. That maybe maybe the abrupt shift was worth not having a bunch of terrible you know great Saiyaman chapters after that. But <laughs> you know me personally, I, I really I really did enjoy what's there. So. With you finally reaching this final arc and the Majin Buu arc, uh, once you finish coverage of the Buu arc, what does the future of Dragon Ball Dissection look like? I, I know to this point you haven't been super, um, I guess I'll say thrilled um, on Dragon Ball Super. Um, I want to I wanna ask you more about that in a minute. But do you plan to go forward and maybe do the Dragon Ball Super manga? Uh, because given the weird nature of how the anime proceed, or excuse me, Given the weird nature of how the anime precedes the manga in the case of Dragon Ball Super, I would really be interested to hear your analysis on the reverse process of how the anime influences the manga as opposed to how the manga influences the anime. That, oh, well, well, first, um, I'm definitely going to be taking Dragon Ball Dissection through the original Dragon Ball, and I will definitely be finishing up you know, DVD TV for the, for Dragon Ball Z television series and all the movies of that era. Um, what happens after that, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. It really just sort of depends on how my overall channel and life is doing because it is certainly, at that point, I've been doing it for probably 10 years at that point. And so it's like, how much of my life do I, do, do I want to devote uh, to something that when I first started the series, I, I thought it was a done deal. It was a series with a franchise with a finite conclusion, you know? Uh, and suddenly, you know, a few years into this this project, suddenly all of this new Dragon Ball stuff comes out, and I'm a little bit bitter about that. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, oh my god, I'm going to be trapped doing this for the rest of my life. But at the same time, it's not something that I, you know, now that I've done it for so long, it's something that I'm terrified of of letting go of. Um, so so we, we, we will see. It sort of depends on if how, how successful my channel ends up being if, as to whether or not I will feel compelled or be able to, you know, continue it on for, <laughs> for how many more years after that. Uh, but it, it's interesting though, because, oh, that whole can of worms. It's like dra- reviewing Dragon Ball used to be so simple. It was, you, you had, you had a, you had a comic book series. It was called Dragon Ball. And then there was a TV series that was based off of it. And it was, it was really simple. You had this continuity and you had that thing. And, now with Super, everything is just so complicated. I've, I have no idea how, how I would structure Dragon Ball Super if I were to cover Dragon Ball Super on Dragon Ball Dissection. Because for those, for those who are listening and may not follow Dragon Ball Dissection, um, my, my main series is covering the manga storyline. That, that's when I cover the story of it. Uh, and, and the TV adaptation, if you haven't read the manga, the, the TV version is almost panel for panel the exact same story as, as the manga it just adds other things into it. So then when I go back later and cover the TV version, it's almost like a companion piece. I don't go over the story again because I've already covered that. Nothing's really changed. I, I just go over things that have changed or been added or been removed, things of that nature. Uh, so with Dragon Ball Super, it, it's, 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 not, it's not as cut and dry, this is the source and this is the adaptation. It's, this is like Toriyama's, you know, the notes he wrote on a napkin and then you have two <laughs> different branches two or three different branches based off the same things. So they're all just, uh, which, which I'm not saying is, is bad, you know, necessarily. Um, 
but it just means there are like more distinct branches in Dragon Ball than there ever have been before, as opposed to this is the same thing but with slight differences. It's we're starting from the same basic premise and then going our own way. Um, and, and, you know, and you said that, you know, in this case, the anime preceded the, the manga, but um, actually, the, actually, your question says anime first in my, uh, twice in mine. <laughs> yeah, no, it says that on mine too. That's why I had to stop and restart that line. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but at certain points early on, like the, the manga chapters were coming up before the, the TV series episodes. Like it was, a, it was considered a promotional thing earlier on. Eventually the TV series caught up and surpassed it. But like those, like the first couple of story arcs, the manga chapters are coming out first. So like there, it's, so it depends on where you are as to what even is like, what, what even is the original anymore? Even I don't even that know. It's confusing in and of itself because the only manga that I could think that preceded it, unless I'm wrong, which is a very high possibility, especially considering who I'm talking with here. The manga that probably preceded the television series was probably movie adaptations of battle of gods and Fukatsu no F I'd have to imagine they weren't doing episodic manga chapters before the television series started were they i don't i don't think that they were i, I think oh. I, again it's been, it's been it's been a few years at this point but i, I seem to recall because uh, it's like the manga sort of evolved over time because originally it was intended as a promotional piece it was there to to hype up and sell the tv series and since then it's sort of become more of its own standalone thing uh but but again i, I could be misremembering this but i do seem to recall that for for a while early on the manga was was coming out before the TV series, hmm. and and like someone feel free to fact check me on that, because uh, again I I have not I have not gone back and rewatched Super <laughs> since it ended two years ago. I have, uh, well, um, this is in your next question, or is it? It right is, now? yeah. Actually, we've kind of covered this for the next question a little bit. We've sort of already touched on it, but I'll just ask it and and sort of line it up with the expectation or the understanding that you've sort of already started to answer it. I think from at least a, a personal perspective. I know you've been, you've never been super thrilled with the idea of Dragon Ball returning and I've said it on multiple occasions. Uh, you've said it, you'd be fine if the series stayed dead. And I can understand how somebody would feel that way, especially given the way that you just outlined it with um, how you originally planned to structure your content. And then two years in, you find out the series is continuing. But I'm curious about what made you feel that way. And if your stance on Super has softened at all since it's been it's two years, I think two weeks ago it's been off the air. Time flies when you're waiting for Dragon Ball to come back. Um, well, I, I guess there's like the macro answer and then the micro answer. Uh, generally speaking, I'm always I'm always wary of when something uh, something ends, like has a definite endpoint, and then comes back. Especially something that is as as narrative heavy as Dragon Ball, despite what people say about you watch Dragon Ball for the story, uh, it, it is it is very much a um, you know there, there there is there is a lot of story to it. It might not be deep, but but it is something that since it is serialized, it's it's not like not like an episode of, of Family Guy or you know or, or Looney Tunes where it's there's there's no continuity going on where you can just sort of you know bring out these characters and they don't age, they don't really change, they you know. Or, or, or even, you know, even to a lesser extent, like American comics, where it's, you know, Batman's been fighting crime in certain continuities for like 80, 80 years or so, with, you know, barring the occasional Crisis on Infinite Earths type reboot. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's like, they, you know, it's basically Batman is, is, is Batman. He is a static character and he might do different, different riffs on that character, but that's all different continuities as opposed to the character really evolving and aging and, you know, uh, with some exceptions, obviously. 
Um, but but Dragon Ball is a continuous story where the characters grow and they age, and and then it one it's you know eventually that story that story ends. Um, so I'm always wary, uh, especially when it comes back you know decades later. You know, there's always this this weird feeling of disconnect. Um, this uh, I I have this sort of distrustful feeling of well, why are you bringing this back? You know, it's like what what is your per like? Do you have a story you want to tell, or is this you know oh, what all it's the kids <laughs> yeah, exactly like or all all the kids who watched it are grown ups now like oh I I got to get my nostalgia fix kind of thing and I have disposable so, income <laughs> exactly so so it's like you know why why are you doing this um. So, but but I, I I don't like have this hardline moratorium. You can never make more things. I I while I'm wary of it, I always try to keep an open mind and not really judge it until I see it. It's like okay, you know, I'll I'll give it a chance because you know I I certainly, um, again as a Star Trek fan, I I, I certainly got into the original series before anything else. And in in '87 when Next Generation came out, you had those fans who were like. You know, Star Trek without Kirk and Spock, you know, that's not even that's not even real Star Trek kind of thing. Uh, but you know, you know, Next Generation eventually became a really high quality series, and I I love me some Deep Space Nine, so it's it's obviously it's possible, you know, to pick something back up again and and make quality stories out of it. Uh, uh, any you know to go back to uh to Avatar, I love that series, and and they they did a sequel series of that, The Legend of Korra. And I'm not as over the moon about it as, as I was Avatar. I'm, I'm actually in the middle of rewatching it right now. I've only I've only ever seen it once. Um, but the one the one thing, well, I, I can give them credit for a lot of things, and, and you know, very very high quality animation and and combat and you know, deep fairly deep storytelling for children's uh, animation. Uh, but the one thing you can't accuse them of is just going back to the well and and nostalgia tripping, you know. That's a series that sort of, you know, purposely removes a lot of familiar elements and pushes a lot of things into, you know, changes the setting quite a bit and changes the the way the storytelling is. Like, yeah, so there might be uh, elements of those stories I don't care for, but I, you know, I, I have to respect the fact that they were, they definitely had a story they wanted to tell and it wasn't a story that was just rehashing what they'd already done. Um... My problem with Dragon Ball Super, and, and it's funny, your question is, your question at the end is if, if my stance has softened over the last, yes, over time. It was really something that it more hardened over time, honestly, because um, I, I was late getting into Dragon Ball Super in the first place. Like, I, I don't think I started watching it. Cause it started airing in the summer of 2015, I believe. July, in July 2015, yep. Um, and I didn't start watching it until uh, do, 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 sometime around the spring of 2016. Oh wow! So I, I so I was playing catch up. I, I I didn't catch up entirely until God. I don't I don't even know if, how long it took me to catch up. I, it might 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 have been like just before the uh, the universe revival stuff. Really, but so you that were really watching that... week to week once that started, weren't you? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> so weren't we all, man? <laughs> I I always I'm comfortable talking about the original Dragon Ball because I've read it and seen it so many times. It's some, something I'm intimately familiar with. There are definitely things I have to fact check myself on because I don't have like a perfectly didactic memory. But I but I know the series pretty much inside and out. Super I've seen once, so I I do hesitate to give a definitive sort of 
you know, this is what's wrong with it kind of thing when I have when I haven't seen it in two years. Um, but the the overall the overall sentiment that I get from Dragon Ball Super, and I didn't hate it at first. It it just like, but it was it was for most of its run for me, it was it was okay. It, it kept like a pretty solid baseline of eh, this is passable, you know. With, you know, with, with occasional moments that I really enjoyed and some that really pissed me off. It really wasn't until the final story arc that I really started to hate it. But um, but but overall, I, I got a very general sense from Dragon Ball Super that, that one, it was very much interested in reliving its glory days. Taking as many things out of mothballs as possible, as much iconography... <laughs> As many as many uh, waylaid characters that were popular, uh, and just and just rehashing them, and now I finally get to say it. What I love most about Dragon Ball is its sense of growth. That sense that, because again, going back to the, those you know late nineties years, it was finding all of these things that were totally different from one another. You know, it's like I, I, I came into it through, you know, Vegeta was there and Frieza was the villain and stuff like that. And then suddenly going back and looking at all this stuff about tournaments and climbing this tower and fighting a Terminator robot and then going <laughs> and like, like it was, it's just to distill it into one moment. Like I, I would, I would visit my cousins as a kid and I would, I would record Dragon Ball Z off of, off of, uh, off of the broadcast on Toonami and I would I introduced him to the series by showing him my tapes, and then once once I started collecting fan subs, I brought those one summer, and we we'd gotten through the freeze arc, and I just popped in that tape, and suddenly Gohan's in high school, you know, and my cousin like his jaw just dropped, and I I wanted to run it back and like well here's some context for this, but he's like no I just want to keep watching this because his mind was just so blown, you can you can dip your toe, into so many different points of just random points in Dragon Ball. And you're going to find something totally different. It might be as off the wall as suddenly Gohan's in high school and trying to be a superhero. Or it could be, you know, Goku, Goku's flying in this 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 Nazi-inspired plane to the, this bizarre, you know, jingle village where there's a Frankenstein monster there. Or, or it could be at a point where they're in outer space, you know. It's like Dragon Ball... There is no, there is no real status quo for original Dragon Ball. There, there, there's never a point where it feels like, oh, we're there, there's no reset button aside from, aside from the Dragon Balls themselves, and his ability ability to bring characters and planets back to life. Things are always moving forward, you know. It's always so cool when oh we're gonna skip the story ahead seven years and suddenly you know Trunks who was a baby and who we knew was this adult from the future he's this totally different character now because he's a kid and and you know and now Gohan's in high school and you know, it's like they're. Dragon Ball always like the one constant of Dragon Ball is that it always changed, and that was something that Toriyama was always very, uh, very adamant about and very consistent with. Like because you know his his editor at the time, Toriyama, was terrified at the thought of Goku becoming an adult, because because that's not how you how you mar necessarily market things to children. It's all about the merchandising. It's all about the recognizability. It's all about you know keeping keeping iconography. Look and and I and I very pointedly like someone someone called me out on this on my last episode of Dragon Ball Dissection, I go into a big talk about about Kuririn in this arc, and how how Toriyama completely removed 
everything that was recognizable about that character in the Boo arc. He has hair. His burn marks are covered by that hair, you know? Like, everything that, was, that defined what he looked like, Toriyama didn't care. He took, the, took all that away, you know? Like, and, and the fact that he could do that, that he would always do that, was what, was, is what, is what impress, impresses me the most about Dragon Ball. And it's why Dragon Ball Super just feels so boring to me. <laughs> I think you're because dancing there's... around it. It's because it's, we're in that static time frame of that 10 years between the end of Z and, excuse me, the end of Boo and the end of Z. Like, there's no progression. There's no real opportunity for a big time skip. There's no opportunity to get to know these characters on another level other than the level we've already known them at for the last 20 or so years. It's kind of infuriating. Exactly. And and it's I mean and I, I I get it because, um. Because like I said, I feel like Dragon Ball has sort of run its course when it ended originally, and so I can I understand Toriyama as well. I don't want to move them farther than that because they look old and this and that and you know. But there's, there's I don't there's, I, don't, I don't know if there's that many more places you can really take them, but it does feel incredibly safe. That you know, and, and it, it it trickles down to so many things where it's like you know, all all of the all all the oft repeated um, complaints about Super, where it's like, oh, Goten and Trunks should be like fourteen <laughs> years old now, and they look the same as they did before, you know. And it's like, oh, Goku and Vegeta got new outfits, but oh, now they're back in their old ones because that's what people recognize. It's all it all just like I I don't have any pretend like Dragon Ball is not this highbrow work of art. Toriyama has admitted that he got into got into manga in order to make money. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, he, you know, I'm not like one of these hipsters who has to like, oh, you're selling out kind of thing. People got to eat, you know, and it's nice to be able to make a living doing what you love. Uh, so I've, I have no, no delusions about early Dragon Ball being like this high, highbrow art that was, that was done for the love of the craft. Uh, whereas, you know, Dragon Ball Super is just marketing shill. Dragon Ball was certainly done for money too, but that doesn't stop Dragon Ball Super from largely feeling like like it is marketing shill, you know, or it is just like let's keep the characters in, you know, as recognizable as possible, and let's not have things move. And pre and all the arcs just sort of end with like, you know, we saved the day. Let's go back to Capsule Corporation and eat some barbecue, <laughs> and then set up, set up the pieces for the next. And it, it, it even though it's still a serialized show, like as in the individual episodes carry on from one another. The stories they tell feel very episodic. So do you think that any of what we're talking about here plays into the role of Super being canceled when it did? Because going into the Tournament of Power, the way that I looked at it was, especially after coming out of episodes uh, 109 and 110, the first Goku Jiren fight literally broke the internet. Like Crunchyroll, all these streaming websites were down and... In my brain, I remember I remember where I was that day. I was playing at a wedding at a cocktail hour with my acoustic, and I had to rush home to get to get to record the next episode of Super Dope <laughs> with my friends. It was like fight night. It was like a pay-per-view event. And waking up the next day and reading those reports of it basically, you know, quote-unquote broke the internet, I was like, this is Dragon Ball at an all-time high. I'm living in the golden age of Dragon Ball. And the way that I, vis- the way that I looked at the Tournament of Power arc was... They've sort of fast-tracked Dragon Ball's world building. Like, we've got all these multiple different universes to go out and explore, all these strong fighters to go out and explore. We've already very much explored the upper limits of our own respective universe. So, you know, we're going to have to go out and find some other strong people to go out there and, and try to fight. And it just made no sense to 
set up all whatever these uh eight universes is that what yeah eight universes of 10 fighters 80 fighters in total and then when they get to the conclusion of it after we've met these people on very surface level kind of um interactions we've got the ability to go explore their universes they pull the plug on it do you think that pulling the plug on super had anything to do with just feeling kind of stuck in the time period that we're in at this point. Like what do you think is the, the, what do you think is some of the contributing factors to them deciding to cancel the super anime when they did? I, I definitely feel like there are, there are people who follow the production side of this more closely than I do. Shout out anime. AJ. Uh, I, he was one of the people I was thinking of. Definitely. Yes. Um, because I, I, I definitely recall seeing a tweet from him recently where he was talking about this, where he said, he, you know, there's a translation from one of the writers, I think, on the show who had, who had, who had admitted that, like, the series was, the planning of the series was just a total mess. Uh, you know, in terms of the beginning, like, you had this really, you know, they, they really fast-tracked that series and didn't plan for it properly. Uh, and, and so you had these really terrible-looking episodes and episodes that were rushed out the door... Uh, and, and there just wasn't wasn't like the necessary pipeline production pipeline created to to make a quality series. It was really just uh, marketing chill again. It was this 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 had become hot. This had become like they they didn't expect, um, you know the battle they didn't expect Battle of Gods to be as popular as it was, and they suddenly had this thing on their hands. They wanted to capitalize on it while it was still hot, and and so it just sort of became this thing. Um, Rather than organically growing, um, I've I've also heard certain you know things to the extent that simply the Toriyama isn't you know hasn't hasn't developed any any further storylines and they're afraid to go on without him, uh, because you know and and I, I I can understand that because just based on based on the beginning of the series where they were just willing to you know seem perfectly fine rushing it out the door it doesn't seem like like quality control takes precedence over you know selling selling the toys so <laughs> very true uh so it's hard so it's so it's hard for me to say that oh well they just really wanted to be the best they could M- maybe they do i i don't know but uh it's it's difficult for me to it's difficult for me to really answer that just because for one i might be missing some crucial information that i haven't researched yet because i'm not covering that right now um, ah, and, and right two, now meaning that you'll do so in the future caught you <laughs> <laughs> well one of my favorite Dragon Ball Dissection movie entries uh, is your analysis of the first Broly movie. I believe it's called Broly the Legendary Marketing Ploy. Is that correct? That sounds right, yeah. <laughs> um, do you remember where you were? Because I, I certainly remember it, and I unfortunately probably will always remember this. But do you remember where you were and what your reaction was to learning that Broly was going to be like the main protagonist in the Dragon Ball 20th movie? I'm I'm pretty sure I was sitting at this desk. I just I, I'm pretty sure I learned about it on Twitter. So I was on my computer at the time, and <laughs> um, I I don't know. I don't I don't recall. I certainly wasn't like stomping around going ah. Gonna... But 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 it, but it was something that was just sort of a throw up your hands kind of yeah. This boy, I I really expected this in a sort of you know. They just brought back Frieza. We're just gonna keep on just dipping into the well and bringing back you know, old popular characters and it just, it really is sort of, uh, 
it sort of confirmed my my anti super bias, I guess you could say, that they weren't terribly creative and more interested in selling toys yes. than telling a story. Well, one of the things that you say in that marketing ploy video, um, I didn't realize I needed somebody to help me articulate it, but going back through some of your content as I researched this week, there was this quote in that video where I was like, that's it. That's exactly how I feel about Broly. So much to the point where I had to rewind it and get out my voice memo recorder and my phone to be able to record it. But this is how you somewhat Broly in a lot of ways in regards to that first movie, not specific to Super. Now, let me be clear. I'm mostly apathetic towards the character of Broly. I'm neither particularly interested in him, nor do I really dislike him. I'm a little iffier in regards to what he seems to represent to the fandom, and more importantly, the image he presents of the franchise as a whole. As I've stated multiple times, the surface-level spectacle of over-muscled meatheads screaming loudly and laying the smackdown on each other is the facet of Dragon Ball I find least appealing. And since original Broly is the most roided-out, primal-screaming, animalistic club someone over the head caveman the franchise has ever produced... Uh, I don't get the hype. <laughs> so, so, so well put. And that was sort of my reaction was like, all right, they're obviously cashing in on this fan service character and, and somebody that for whatever reason, maybe some that you just articulated there in your little sound clip, um, they, they, the character of Broly resonates with a, a certain sect of our Dragon Ball fandom. And, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say it diametrically opposes a lot of the things that we may enjoy as Dragon Ball fans, but sometimes it does. And uh, I don't know. Do you appreciate or like or dislike? Uh, how do you feel about what they've done to the recharacterization of Broly? Um, well, I, I, first of all, it is funny that that's sort of really the, the quote you chose digs into stuff we were sort of talking about earlier about. And, and, and again, I, I have no, you know, I'm not trying to shame anybody. if. Uh, uh, if 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 you're into that uh, into that aspect of Dragon Ball or you know or uh, shame them, it's okay. Shame them. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not here. I'm not here. I'm not here to shame anybody. It's it's just it just doesn't really do it for me. Just like I'm 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 really I'm not a I'm not a big pro wrestling fan, but I know there's a lot of overlap with Dragon Ball and pro wrestling, which I I didn't know at first either until I became friends with the people who were into Dragon Ball. Uh, but yeah, and I can I can see why. It's it's just not really what I come to Dragon Ball for, um, but in t but the the question was about Broly's the new Broly's characterization, correct? Yes. Um. Well, to an extent, I am impressed. I I am impressed that they didn't simply dust off movie Broly and just transplant him into this universe. The the, the fact that, uh, I mean, obviously. Obviously, bringing Broly back is a big, big marketing thing. You know, he he has brand recognition. He's gonna put butts into theater seats, so there 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 is certainly enough cynicism to go around with that. But there is at least something to be said for the fact that they made their own Broly. I I would still rather it have just been a completely brand new character. You know, let it stand on its own two feet. But that's what kind of upset me about that was because that teaser trailer, everyone theorized that it was the legendary Super Saiyan God Yamoshi or whatever. And it looked like, oh, I, from forgot, a, I forgot about that. From a production <laughs> perspective, it looked like that's how they were going to to pitch it. And then whatever, four or five months later, they're like, just kidding. That legendary Super Saiyan God that we've been teasing, it's Broly. 
But that's what really upset <laughs> me about that announcement, I think, was they teased something that was going to be original and new and fresh in a different sort of direction. And in a lot of ways, what I want to see with Dragon Ball is, I guess, more sort of like lore building to the grander world outside of our characters. I mean, we've already got like the upper echelon of like the God structure and things like that. But like things that have happened in the past, I'm curious about things like uh, or expanding more on things like that. And I thought, yeah, Moshi would be a great avenue to be able to explore that and get to see not like the culture of the Saiyans on planet Vegeta when it was King Vegeta and Bardock, but hundreds and hundreds of years or thousands of years before or whatever. But for them to just bail out to the safe thing of Broly, I ripped out most of my hair that day. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I know, I know it feels like I'm damning with faint praise and in a sense, since I am, but you know, I, just, just based on 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 the bar set set for Super and the way they approach the iconography and the staying in place, um, yeah, it it would have been it would have been better if it had been a brand new character. I I think I would have had more respect for it. I suppose had it been a new character, but given the standard that had been set by Super, just the fact that it was a different character at all you know, was enough to sort of at least, you know, allow me to consider it, I suppose, as, as something worthy. <laughs> so have you watched the movie more than just that first time you watched it, or have you done it? No. No? That, really? <laughs> just the one time? Just the one time. I think I've watched it three times, but I think only two of them count, because the first time I watched it, it was out of the front pocket of a Japanese man with his cell phone ripping it from the theater. I was really anxious to see it. <laughs> but I've since seen it in sub and dub once. And uh, I don't know. I think it's a pretty good movie. I like what they tried to do with the character. I don't like that. The first 15 to 20% of the movie is basically a soft retelling of Dragon Ball Minus. And I know that you feel very passionately about Minus. If you want to know how Lance feels about Dragon Ball Minus, you have to go check out Dragon Ball Dissected. But the first 15 minutes of that movie could have been very easily cut. You don't need that there. And you could have allocated more time to the story of Broly and Paragus, I, I guess, specifically. Like, I feel like so much of that flashback stuff was just to be like, oh, look, Bardock's here, and look, we've mm -hmm. got Goku's mom animated now, and Goku was a little bit older and in Saiyan armor and a little bit more cognizant of what was going on than we cared to admit 30 years ago. Like, so much of it kind of pissed me off, but... They could have allocated more time to exploring the character of Broly as opposed to 50% part of the movie, 50% mark of the movie. It's just an all-out brawl. <laughs> yeah, well, it, I feel like, I feel like they, they could have gone multiple directions with this. And I, and I see people who defend the movie. And, 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 and to be clear, uh, at least as far as I remember it, in the, the vlog that I made when I talked, I gave my thoughts on the movie when, I, when it first came out, when I first saw it, um, in, in terms of modern Dragon Ball content, I, def I would definitely place it somewhere in the upper tier. Like, this isn't the bottom of the barrel for me. There was a lot that I liked about that movie. It's not, so I, I, I didn't go in there to hate it. It's not revival you know, with I F or anything. <laughs> so bad. No, no it's, it's not. Um, I definitely didn't go in there to hate it. There were definitely a lot of things I did like about it. Um, but I, I, feel, I feel like people who defend, this, defend those aspects of the film... Uh, say do so in that sort of the, the way the marketing sort of hyped it up, which was you have these these two generations of Saiyan warriors, you know, and you have the the parallels between their dads and then them, yeah. and it's like 
and so, sort of like the, the marketing tagline for Resurrection F, the worst wish in history, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot that could be mined there. I just don't think they really did. So, so, all that, so a, lot of that, a lot of that stuff ends up coming across as just fan service. Like, oh, you want, here's the thing. Here's how Frieza became the leader of the Frieza Force. Here's the and, Ginyus. You know, here's the start of Scouters. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. It's all just this, this sort of, you know, random, pointless world-building stuff that's just there so fans can go, oh, it's that thing I like, you know, and here's the you know, thing about that thing. Um, because because I think, like, the main problem in trying to make this a multi-generational epic and, uh, de- and to develop um, parallels between these two different generations uh, really sort of falters in the fact that Goku and Vegeta don't really serve any purpose in this movie besides just being the other people who are fighting Broly. Like the, 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 the movie, the movie is about Broly. And, and when it, when it's, when it's focusing on Broly, I think it's actually pretty good. But then all of a sudden it becomes, let's go to earth and fight Goku and Vegeta and Goku and Vegeta don't really have a purpose or a function or a characterization beyond we're going to fight now. So, so it kind of falls flat when you're trying to do, trying to, trying to market this as a character story. When two of those three leads don't really don't really have a story function. And I think that I would agree with everything that you just said in, in most ways. I mean, they try so hard to tie like the three Saiyans fate as babies and now they're adults and they're running into each other again. Like that's so shoehorned into that plot. And like the only reason they even dream to do that retail of minus, but you're right. I think a lot of the, um, the characterization or like the reason for Vegeta and Goku to even be involved in this plot isn't really there outside of the fact that they have to, they have to fight somebody strong, but I think they sort of try to salvage it at the end of the movie with Goku going back to planet Vampa and, you know, extending his hand as sort of an ally to a Broly who we're not really sure how he could end up at this point. He could end up a, a permanent antagonist. He could end up an ally in the future. I think I'm very interested to see if and when the series does touch back on Broly's character, where that goes. But I think a lot of that movie was sort of written or planned out with strictly the end in mind. It's like, what can we do to maybe make Broly a, a good guy at the end of this? And how do we get there? We'll give you an hour worth of okay fights after we give you, you know, 45 minutes of fan service. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying because, because Broly is very, very differently structured. And you sort of hit the nail on the head with the way you worded that when you said that um, they needed somebody to fight. And usually it would be the other way around where it's, you have Goku and Vegeta and you need somebody for them to fight because they are, they are the, you know, they are the focal point characters. They aren't really the vocal characters in this movie and that's fine. I'm not, I'm not saying you can't make, make a Dragon Ball movie that focuses on somebody else. In fact, that's, that's kind of nice, but the, the movie really is about Broly and his story. And, and because, because of the way it's structured, it doesn't really feel like the main Dragon Ball characters are there other than the fact that this is a Dragon Ball movie and they need to be there. Uh, and, and so it just feels like there, there are a lot of things here that don't necessarily coalesce in a, in a cohesive way. It's like, yeah, you, you could do the multi-generational, you know, father-son story if you really committed to that. Or you could do a really, really deep character piece about, about Broly himself if you, if you committed to that. Or you could do a you know a, a standard format Dragon Ball movie where Goku and Vegeta are the focus and they meet this villain, sort of like the sort of like the original Broly movie. But the, this sort of feels like this weird 
amalgamation of all of those things where none of them really gets enough attention because I, I feel like they had just, just gotten to the point of developing Broly enough to make him interesting when suddenly the fighting starts and everything interesting about him just goes out the window. And it, it, there's, there's the story just, it stops. This is a hard dividing line between this is the story section and then this is the big giant battle section. And, and the whole time the battle's going on, it's like, I want to see more of Chi-Li and Limo. They were interesting and exciting. And actually, the, the movie's more about them than it is about Goku and Vegeta, really. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's like, I, I want to see more of that relationship forming. And like, they, just, they just disappear for like the next 30 minutes or so. And it's really jarring. It's like, it's like three different movies that have been sewn together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you put it like that, that actually it's a very nice way to put it. Like the the minus part of it is one part, and then you've got the pre Broly, and then the fight. Three very distinctive sections of that movie. Um, I'm gonna kind of flip the question structure around on you here because I feel like it ties together a little bit more on the topic of the Broly movie. While the story wasn't anything um, super revolutionary, I mean, it was definitely like fan service. The movie that much we, we're definitely sure of. I think a big talking point about this film was the character redesign and the shift away from Yamamuro's character designs to the Shintani character designs. And I think what a lot of people would call a more, I don't know, it's less angular. That's one way to say it. It's a little bit more simplified. It's a little bit less plastic looking like we can go down the list of like all the things that people bag on Yamamuro about but a big part of this movie was the Shintani redesign do you think when not when I guess when we do you think that when the series comes back do you think that they're more apt to go with the Shintani aesthetic or do you think that they're apt to fall back to the Yamamuro character designs is is this more about what I want or, or what I think will actually happen. <laughs> you could, you could, you can answer both. I mean, what would you want to see? Um, uh, cause I, I, I must preface this by saying again, um, story and characterization are the most important things to me when it comes to, uh, comes to Dragon Ball. Um, other things are more secondary concern. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not AJ. Um, I'm not saying I don't care about art, but it's not really my area of expertise. It's not something that I that I focus on mm. as much. I the things that I recognize. I recognize when a when a large artistic shift has happened in a series, but it's it's not something that I'm gonna like pin all my hopes and dreams on, or that's really going to o ultimately affect how I enjoy the storytelling. Um, I I did enjoy Shintani's art, although. Uh, I, I should go back and say that um, Yamamoro has gotten a bad rap and probably deservedly so over the past several years. But you know, when he when he took over as animation supervisor for Shindo Pro in the Cell Arc, I thought that was a huge step up for that studio. I, I thought that that I thought that Shindo Pro looked much better after Yamamoro took over. His his work back in the early '90s was pretty fantastic. I I love his work then. Um, I I don't. I don't tend to care for it as much in, in modern Dragon Ball when, like you said, it's very, very stiff looking and very plastic looking. But, but granted, just even just the way Dragon Ball is, is designed, even even going back to like the later parts of the original series, the, you know, the mid to late 90s, I've, I've always I've always much preferred the rounder style to the ang more angular stuff anyway, be it Toriyama's 
interpretation or Yamamuro's or anybody else's. Um, so I definitely liked Shintani's designs. It was, uh, I preferred it to, to what Yamamuro's designs were in Super, to be sure. Uh, it, it, it's nice and light. Um, I, I think it animates well. It, it's just, it, it's just, uh, it's a nice change from, from, from a series that has overall been uh, too much of the same for me anyway. So just having having a new look for it. I mean, granted, I I, I, I liked. I liked when we entered the the universe survival stuff and we had like that new, like thicker outline on characters. I thought that looked kind of nice too. You know, just do I do I think it will come back though? I I I don't see why not. But I guess it really depends on what it was they were trying to accomplish with that movie in the first place. It's like was and it's especially harder to note now that. Dragon Ball has kind of stalled since then, except for Heroes. But Heroes doesn't use the Shintani style, does it? It uses it does not. Yeah. So, so that that kind of complicates. Although, the, the... I guess you could make the argument because I I know that the um, base form Gogeta definitely made an appearance in the last uh, several episodes at some point, and it does have like a more it's almost like a mashup of the two styles like it's a little bit more rounded than a typical Yamamoro character design would be but it's not quite full like popped out of the broly movie um it's it's difficult to describe so the way that i look at the broly movie is an opportunity for them to because it's been so well documented like the sort of animation woes that they had or the production struggles that they had and i've also seen through you know, mainly like guys like AJ who are very talented and, and have the eyes that they do to see what they see. Um, Yamamuro's art isn't exactly a very easy thing to replicate for a lot of animators. So taking that Shintani character design and a more simplification of it would hopefully open up the talent pool for potential animators when the series were ready to return. They wouldn't have to pick from such like a, a narrow field of talent. They'd have more options to choose from and that would help with some of the production stuff. Um if they come back and don't do the Shintani art style, I would be kind of flabbergasted, but you do mention the hero stuff and how that's still in the Amuro style, but that's only once a month for 8 minutes. Like I could see them continuing to do that and have that just be his little pet project for the duration of his time with Dragon Ball or however however long he wants to do that. I really think it depends on whether or not like what their intention was with the with with the design of this movie was this supposed to be the bold new direction of Dragon Ball going forward or was this designed to give the movie a distinctive look on its own? Because if it's you know that that's really going to depend on uh, so that's really going to determine what, where they're going to go with this. I I would think because if it, if it's the former then yeah I could definitely see Super picking up or or whatever the successor to Super is picking up with that style, but if it was meant to just give that movie a distinctive look, then I can see them going back to the to the status quo. So now that Super as a series of, well, concluded, paused, however you want to look at it, but the manga has continued on with the moral arc. Um, are you reading the chapters month to month? And, and if you are, what are your impressions on moral, the villain or the arc as a whole? I have not made it past the first volume of the Dragon Ball Super manga. What the fuck, Lance? That's not cool. <laughs> Moro's kind of up your alley. I feel like in a lot of ways he borrows from past Dragon Ball uh, arcs in a, a few different ways. I really like this arc in the sense that they they go to new Namek at the beginning of it. And 
they kind of borrow from, not borrow, but like revisit little other elements of Dragon Ball that are like, hey, remember this? And it hits all the right nostalgia nostalgia feels for me for sure. But how have you not, you're not even that, not even a little bit interested? It's not that I'm not interested. Well, I mean, it is kind of hard to drum up interest, but it's really just, just the, there are only so many hours in the day and there's only so many hours of a day I want to devote to Dragon Ball. And there's this, because I, I, I've said I've said it a lot to a lot of people over the years is that I really miss just being able to just go back, pick up Dragon Ball Volume One, and just work my way through the series for fun. You know, I haven't I haven't gotten to do that in eight years wow. because it's because because I'm always I'm always working with Dragon Ball. So it's so it's like at the same time, like at any given time, it's like um, it's like right now. Um, I'm I'm working on Dragon Ball Dissection for the Boo arc, so I'm I'm stuck in you know, I have that that manga volume at my desk at all times right now. You know I'm working through that. I I started you know a watch through of the animated series in 2014, which was to, uh, which ended up setting up Dragon Ball, uh, which ended up setting DVD TV the the television part portion of Dragon Ball Dissection, where I would watch the series while following along in the manga and making note of any you know what any of the differences. And I'm still working on that. I'm I'm on GT right now. Wow. So, yeah. So so right now I'm in the Boo arc and I'm in GT, depending on what what work I'm working on right now. Uh, and then also, you know, I got Movie Nine coming up in a little bit. I, I just got done doing the Frieza arc for DVD TV, so I was immersed in that over Christmas. You know, so at any given point, I like have like five different Dragon Ball things going on at once. Uh, and and Dragon Ball is is not my entire life, and I feel like I would grow to hate it. Uh, and, and so, and that is part of why um, I definitely will, you know, if and if and when I cover Dragon Ball Super and Dragon Ball Dissection, it's something I would have to go back and watch again because, for all I know, I don't, I don't think this is the case, but it might have some influence on the fact that there was just, I, you know, I see all these people who were, you know, so sad that Super was gone because they so enjoyed um, watching Dragon Ball on a week-to-week basis. For me, it was just a pain in the ass, you know. <laughs> it was you know having having to having to you know search this down and 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 watch it every every Sunday morning in addition to all the other Dragon Ball stuff I had to do, and it was just just overload, you know. And 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 so <laughs> and so yeah, I I, I just I, I'm amazed I made it through the TV series of Dragon Ball Super, and I I just I I own the first two volumes of the manga, and I I never made it past the first volume, and I just haven't really had much desire to keep going with it because there's just there's just other things I want to do with with my life than than just constant constant Dragon Ball. I'm sorry. <laughs> that makes sense to me, but at the same time, the reason I ask it's sort of a selfish reason to ask. Um, I think I, I mentioned it earlier. Like I would be interested to see what your analysis would be with the source content being the anime for all intents and purposes, and then having the manga be like the adaptation or like the streamlined version or whatever you want to say afterwards, like that, that reverse delivery of the mediums is interesting to me to, to, to see what Toyotaro and Akira Toriyama look at and say that works, or this is what needs to be changed, or this is what works for the manga medium versus the anime medium. All of that stuff is interesting to me to think about, but I'd like to hear it from, you know, perspective like yours. <laughs> well, no, I, cause I, I find that very interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I, I get, I do get kind of tired of hearing people say the Dragon Ball Super is over because it's not, you know, and it, <laughs> it's, it's, it just, it is, it is really interesting. And I, and I, I'd be interested to see how it works in Japan. But again, you know, that 
whether or not the whether or not the super manga still has that uh, that status of promotional, especially now that it's that it's doing its own storyline. Um, but but you know because Dragon Ball traditionally, like the the manga is the source. You know for for the original Dragon Ball that that was the story. You know and the TV version was an adaptation. And obviously here in America, at the very least. Um, fans tend to be more exposed to the TV series, uh, and, and that's what they view as sort of the uh, the be all end all. So you know, to 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 to, you know, to to the point that you know, um, obviously there are a lot of different uh, a lot of different translation styles out there, um, you know, official and unofficial, and depending on what you watch. But uh, but you know, it's like people tend to forget and obviously I, I'm, I'm no stranger to people complaining about my translation choices uh, that I use on my channel but it's like what really blows my mind is that people tend to forget you know when they certain things that they criticize for me using it's like you know you could you can walk into a, any bookstore in this country and you can you could do that for the past 20 years and and pick up an officially English translated version of the original Dragon Ball manga and you're gonna find a lot of the names that I use in my show you know, and you're acting like I have all the names wrong, <laughs> but it's like, it's like, they just don't know it, you know? So, because, and, and that's, and that's just the divide you have where it's like the, this, the original Dragon Ball source is there for anybody. It's not some obscure thing. It's there on the shelves and it's never gone away. And it's like so many people just don't even know about it. So that's why you get, so you get this weird thing where people say, oh, I can't wait for Dragon Ball Super to come back as if it actually went anywhere you know when it's when it is there it's it's been it, has, it, it didn't stop it hasn't stopped <laughs> well it's really frustrating to me is, is so much of what the moral arc has been to this point is is like i said they pick from like certain pieces of dragon ball continuity and they kind of all bring it back together but in a lot of cases or ultimately it's 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 kind of shaping up and i i recently did um the manga chapter review for chapter 58 me and brandon did that last weekend um a lot of people there there's been like a lot of um things that remind me of Fukatsu no f and to this point it's been the way that they seemingly have set up vegeta to be the guy to maybe get the win for once rightfully so and they're gonna kind of pull it away from him that's been sort of like the hot topic of a uh, discussion over the last couple of months of the manga is like Vegeta no, you're finally not, you're, not, you're not planning on spoiling me on this are you no I'm not but what <laughs> I am going to spoil for you is and it's not a spoiler so that's why I don't feel bad telling you is I think Goku's going to be the guy to win <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alert um, I'm very interested to hear what you'd have to say about the moral arc definitely is just a manga, but like I said, um, the first 131 episodes of Dragon Ball Super are a rare instance, and I've, I've talked about it fairly recently, but they're like a rare instance for Dragon Ball fandom as a whole in that it truly was like a week-to-week -week ride, in, you know, riding by the seat of your pants kind of thing. Like you really had no idea what could happen in the following week because there's no manga source material to back it up. I, I would say that the only time you could like maybe compare it to is when 64 episodes of Dragon Ball GT where there was no source material, but it wasn't like we were watching it live in Japan in 96 and 97. Um, never mind in the age of social media where we're all really interconnected and talking about it constantly. I feel like that was really sort of the special thing for me 
uh, watching Dragon Ball Super, wasn't especially blown away by the stories or anything. Lots of retread and, and things we're all familiar with. But um, the community that evolved around it, for, for better or for worse in a lot of ways too, um, was one of the um, more gratifying or interesting things uh, of being part of this fandom in the last uh, few years. Um, when the series does return, or I guess this isn't really, this question doesn't really make much sense for you because you're not even caught up on the series as a whole in terms of the manga with this moral arc and the galactic prisoner uh, control or the galactic prisoner arc. You're not caught up with that. So I guess if the series were to return on like more of a, a broad view sort of level, what would you hope for um, if Dragon Ball were to return? Um. <clears throat> I, I would definitely hope for some forward progress. Let's get out of that ten-year gap. Let's <clears throat> let's let's move. Let's move somewhere. You know, that, that, that's really all that I. Again, if it has to come back, I'd still rather it just not. But uh, sorry, or, it makes too much money. I'd, I'd rather just stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, stop. People see us stop buying things. I don't know. <laughs> you can't. You should see um, my bedroom around me, man. It's it's ridiculous how much Dragon Ball stuff I've got. It's <laughs> it's embarrassing. I won't let you see it. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, if 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 it if it has to keep going indefinitely until we're all dead, um, then then yeah, it, it, uh, I I don't I don't have a lot of expectations. I don't I don't have a lot of this. It must be this way, or it's not going to be good. But so I guess I, I don't I don't want to I don't want to tie it down that much. Not I don't want to tie down my expectations too much so that I can't appreciate what is done. But just in the most generalized sense, it just needs to have some movement to it, and I just I feel that it's been lacking in that. I'm I'm not I'm not gonna say that's that's my guarantee fix for modern Dragon Ball. If they just do that, it'll all be fine because it all ultimately comes down to the storytelling, in my opinion. Um, but but I definitely think it will it will benefit from not being stuck in this weird time warp we've been in for the past seven years now. So one thing that I think is interesting when you touch on Dragon Ball dissected TV versus manga is sometimes you point out like this portion of the television series, um, it, it goes as long as this piece of the manga. So I think it's something like the Frieza arc um, from the time it's on TV beginning to end. I forget. I think it's February 14th, ninety. 1991 to ni- September 11th, 1992. I think those are the years. Um, it was uh, 90 to 91. 90 to 91. All right, but I definitely got the dates right because it's Valentine's Day and September 11th. You can't screw those mm-hmm. dates up. Um, <laughs> but in the same time, they they do kind of, from the anime perspective, start to catch up to the story, and that's when so much of some of that... Um, depends on how you look at it a nostalgic great annoying frustrating filler comes in do you think that hitting pause on the anime series for super and wanting to build up a buffer for the manga arc do you think that that plays into that decision i, I would think that it has to right in the past i would uh, in classic dragon ball style I, w- I would say yes that'd be a great idea uh but but this is just such, a, such a different production pipeline that it's like one doesn't necessarily depend on the other anymore. It's not. It's not as you know. Uh, one's not as dependent on the other anymore because because they all just sort of both come from the same place and branch out in their own own direction. So so we've seen you know them do their own things. You know they they've made their own versions of stories. So I, I 
while while I would definitely agree in the terms of just being able to have a decent high quality production and not get you know bogged down on a week to week basis, I, I I would not mind Dragon Ball actually being a seasonal show. And and for the record, Dragon Ball has never been a seasonal production. It's always been an ongoing production. Uh, there there are no seasons of Dragon Ball in Japan. What do you um, wait? There's not nine seasons of Dragon Ball. What are these orange DVDs on my shelf telling me then? Yeah, there weren't nine. There weren't nine seasons of Dragon Ball Z in America. <laughs> crying out loud, <laughs> there were six. Wow. Oh, gosh, these people got it all fouled <laughs> up. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I think there's sort of a need, and I think that sort of I, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I think that the storyboarding aspect, like. Uh, again, we referenced AJ several times throughout this conversation. His analysis of what was going on week to week in, in Dragon Ball Super was interesting to me. Like Dragon Ball Z back in the day, or Dragon Ball had like an eight or nine week turn time to get an episode done, as where the turn time for Dragon Ball Super trended at around six weeks. And I wonder how much of it accounts for, or how much of it factored into they don't have any. Because uh, in a lot of ways, the manga functions as like a, as, as, as an early storyboarding process. So when not only do you not have any story ideas, but don't even have the visual piece of it mapped out in any way, shape, or form, that has to add a tremendous amount of additional time to your to your process. Never mind that you've already cut two or three weeks off of the process from what it used to be twenty years ago. So I feel like they have to to make it something that's going to be sustainable. Um, they have to have some sort of buffer with the Moro arc. And I hadn't realized this until we did our manga chapter review for 58 last weekend with, uh, with Brandon, the Moro arc has gone on since December of 18. It's gone on for 16 months at this point. And I think you can look at a lot of those chapters and easily subdivide them into, you know, for, for sake of plot beats or structure, act structure, whatever, like, you could probably chunk out most of those chapters into two to three episodes. 16 chapters, two to three episodes. Let's say conservatively, that gives you like maybe 35 to 40 weeks of buffer time in terms of story to play around with. I, I think it's approaching. The return is approaching, I think. We've had several people tell us that it should have already happened because they had some friends on some European licensing staffs or animation staffs or whatever. Obviously, that turned out to not have been the case, but I wonder if COVID my, my, my guess initially was um, going to be it returns in the summer of 2020 when Goku was a mascot for the Tokyo Olympics, but due to COVID that's obviously been postponed. Um, that was my call for when the series returned. Do you have any uh, guesses you want to make on uh, this, this public uh, public conversation? <laughs> I can't say never. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could wish never, but you know it's only a matter of time. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I've, I've I've honestly never given it a single moment's thought. <laughs> God damn it! How dare you undercut everything I've thought about for the last two years? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not trying to undercut. No, it. I'm, I'm totally I'm kidding. Glad, I'm glad you have. I'm glad. I'm glad you have thoughts on this. I I just I, I don't know. I guess it'll happen when it. Ha- I don't. Know, I'm. I, I don't know. I I I guess. <laughs> it's sad. I'm I'm really kind of a boring person in, in that regard. Where it's where it's like I I don't I don't tend to do a lot of speculation. I I don't do the the what ifs. And it was and I was I was thinking this when you when you asked me about the Broly movie and what I thought when I found out 
that he was going to be the main villain, you know, as, as much as I sort of had a sort of eye-rolling, uh, I guess, yeah, this is the way Super does things, I, at the same time, didn't, like, spend... I didn't devote a lot of my thought processes to going, well, I wonder what they're going to do with this, and this, you know, and I, you know, getting, you know, getting riled up about, about all that. Um, although I, I, I think I did a bit more maybe with Resurrection F, and that sort of bit me in the ass, because I, I really did latch on to that worst wish in history thing, and... And I, I thought of so many things you could do with that, and they didn't do any 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 anything interesting with it at all. The worst wish um, in history is that Frieza comes back to Earth for a day, and then they kill him again. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I, I I've said it before, but it's it's not the worst wish in history. It's just a mildly inconvenient weekend. Yep, at most. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Uh. I. I. Be, it's also because I. I don't like to. Um. I, I don't like to impose my own expectations on things uh, because then you sort of set yourself up for disappointment uh, or, or or up for nerd fan rage in, in, in unpleasant situations. Story of my life. <laughs> so, yeah, I always try to just sort of, you know, it's like uh, I, I wait till the thing is out and then I and then I just try to appreciate it for what it is. Uh, this is a little bit less so than that because it's just a date. So, <laughs> but so I'm really kind of extrapolating here. Um, but you know, it's just like it'll it'll come when it comes, and I don't really I don't I don't typically find myself just sort of like like biting my nails over. Oh my God, when is this gonna happen? I just I just sort of put it to the back of my mind and focus on other things, and I, so I don't I don't really. It sounds flippant, but I just don't really care all that much. To, so it just it'll happen when it happens, and I'm trying to ignore it until then. You know. God, I envy your position. I see a new manga <laughs> chapter drop on the twentieth. I'm like, all right, when's the translation coming? Oh, nope, that's the French translation. Where's the English translate? Oh, okay, here's an English translation. I gotta read it right away. And it only. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm always behind on everything. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm never like the first person to go see a movie. I'm never I'm I, I'm all, I I I find things like years after they become popular and come and gone. I, I I always miss the hype. It's like, you know, last year all my friends were watching Game of Thrones. Maybe, maybe I'll watch that ten years from now. I don't know. But yeah, it's, I'm, with I'm, you. I'm I'm always <laughs> I'm always completely I'm always completely off the pulse. You know, it's like just like with Super. Like I said, I, I waited. Like I waited like eight months before I even bothered to check it out, you know. And I'm, you know, supposed to be a huge Dragon Ball fan, but it's just, I, I, I just have a, you know, hard time being current about things, you know. Yeah, no. July fifth, twenty fifteen. I only remember the date because a, it was the first episode of Dragon Ball Super, but b because it's the day after the Fourth of July, my favorite holiday, and that was a year where I opted to not get completely blackout hammered so I could go home early and set an alarm clock to wake up and find a sub of the first episode of Dragon Ball Super. I couldn't wait. Um, I often have flashbacks to when I first started getting my first fan sub VHSs when I was a kid, and uh, that feeling of like, ooh, there's some exclusivity to this, and I'm learning things that people in America might not be so hip to right now, and you know, internet's obviously yeah, see, I, I, I was, no, see, I, I was so much happier before the simulcast happened. I hated when that that happened. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I much, I much preferred, much preferred Dragon Team's subtitles to the official subtitles. I hate the official subtitles <laughs> so damn much, and that, and that, and that just, and so, so it's again, it's like I really got to go back and watch it because who knows if I hate those later episodes? Probably just because I couldn't stand the stupid subtitles and how how ugh, how much they annoyed me. <laughs> 
Uh, well, Lance, we have uh, spent a considerable amount of time together tonight. I so appreciate all the extra time you've taken. I don't think either of us anticipated it would, it would have taken this much time today. But um, in terms of goals for 2020 or plans for content on Mr. Fusion, whether that be Dragon Ball specific or any of your other content specific, what do those goals and aspirations look like? Um. Well, uh... No, Dragon Ball Dissection is mostly just to, to stay the course as best I can. I have, I have a lot of uh, just trying to make the Boo arc the best best that I possibly can and try to keep a consistent release schedule. Um, I, I do have a lot of things in the work, but that works, but that's still kind of uh, kind of classified right now. I want to make a make a big announcement when it becomes. You'll see in the next couple of months. But I, I do have an, I do have a new project I'm working on right now because I've had plenty of extra time now that I don't have a job anymore. So. Um, uh, I've 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 sort of uh, gone back I've I've gone back to the well a little bit myself because this is the 10th anniversary of my uh my Power Rangers Super Sentai videos which were you know relegated to the 10 minute YouTube time limit that existed back then and we didn't have much I I I didn't have much good equipment and the source material wasn't that great so I was uh gonna gonna try to do a another. Zhu Ranger to Power Rangers comparison analysis. Not not the same thing I did before, but uh, much more in depth. I've actually written a script for the the first, just the first episode of each series, which is as, you know as long as any of my individual videos were, and uh, doing it with a much higher production value and really sort of comparing how each one uses its narrative and characters and how because I, I don't really consider myself a Power Rangers fan anymore, and I haven't really been in over twenty years, but but the whole concept of adaptation fascinates me and how that can be used to tell tell stories um so i, I thought it'd be fun to sort of like uh line up each line up the episodes side by side and and ultimately judge judge them and which one turns out better in that sense so i'm, I'm gonna try that out and see if people like it and if so i might become a series on its own and i might be able to do the entire series that way i don't know <laughs> that would be an awesome way to kind of uh because honestly i never realized what it was when i was a kid when the first Mighty Morphin series hit, I was in kindergarten, first grade. So, like, the idea of them importing and recutting all that footage was, you know, nowhere even near my radar. But as I learned about it as an adult, I'm like, oh, that's an interesting way to kind of produce the series and how the business aspect part of it works and securing the rights and what you can and can't cut in or refilm or restructure. That's all been very interesting to me. So I think that would make it for an interesting series on a very iconic series, especially for people who not only listen to this podcast, but people who are viewers of your channel, people who are fans of Dragon Ball in general. So I say you do it. No, I'm, I'm really excited. I like the first script turned out really well. And I, I still, you know, I, I still, I'm still really, I still really like the videos I put out 10 years ago, but it was, it was much more of a broad strokes kind of, kind of overview type of thing. And I really think there's a lot of material to be mined in the, in 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 this in the specificity that I really didn't get to look at before. Yeah, so much of your own style has developed obviously over the last 10 years. Uh you want to go back and give it the, you know, the Mystere Fusion treatment and not just Lance from 10 years ago starting to make his first YouTube channel and kind of going through the bumps, trials and tribulations of such a thing. Yeah, basically. That's awesome, man. Well, I can't wait to uh take a look at the Jure and Jaw series and uh Obviously, get the continued uh, Dragon Ball Dissection series. Uh, where can people? I, I mean, obviously, YouTube.com/slash Mister Fusion is that the tag handle there? Or 
Yep, M-I-S-T-A-R-E-F-U-S-I-O-N. <clears throat> Same thing on Facebook and on Twitter, <clears throat> at Mystere Fusion or Facebook.com slash Mystere Fusion. Um, and then, of course, if, if, you are, if you are able, especially in these uh, terrible times, if you find my co- content and like it, I also have a, have a Patreon at Patreon.com slash Mystere Fusion as well if you want to support the channel. Uh, and that, I, think that's, uh, I think that pretty much covers it all. And I'm about to go sign up for that Patreon channel. Um, I don't support anybody on Patreon except soon to be you um well that's very that's very kind thank you no seriously um i feel like i make okay content uh for what i do like and this isn't anything that i ever expected to do more than you know for a few podcast episodes but i can tell how much time and effort and love and research you put into it you um you're very much worthy of it. I suggest you go support him on Patreon as well. If you want to hear an uncut version of this discussion, please check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Dragon Ball Super Dope. I so appreciate the, uh, I think I think we were probably calling for about an hour, but we're coming up on two and a half hours now, Lance. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. You are truly one of my favorite Dragon Ball content creators. Getting to pick your brain on this stuff has been a real treat tonight. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in the next video, man. Well, thank you so much for having me here. I really had a great time. Super dope. Na 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 na. Mr. Fusion was just on my show.